there, baby. Here we go. We are a little raw today, but uh, we're, we're going to be more structured today than we normally are. I don't know. I think we're going to have – I think this is going to be one of the best episodes of the year, if I do say so myself. And I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's going to be fun. Demetrius, you're back. I am. Thanks. While. Yeah, it has been. I've been uh, busy training. I'm just going to jump in and plug that. Like last week, for example, people are like, why aren't you on the podcast? Hey, I'm training pool, man. Uh, last week, I got to drive out to South Dakota uh, to spend. Uh, there was a junior player who was playing really well. And uh, he, you know, he's not able to travel to my place as a minor and stay for three days. Uh, his dad did come do a, a boot camp with me this summer and brought his son. Uh, but I wanted to do some ongoing training. So I went out to South Dakota, stayed at his place for three days and did some training out there. Um, went really well. So for those who haven't heard, uh, Cody Wedick joined the chat and Cody has been all, he knows all about the boot camp. So Cody, give me a plug in the chat there. Let him know that uh, you got to check this out. So everybody go to my website. It's MN for Minnesota, mnpoolbootcamp.com. One more time, mnpoolbootcamp.com. I do three-day boot camps. They're, uh, they're not traditional lessons. They're, they're serious pool immersions for, for intermediate advanced players. So for all of you that are looking to really bust a move in 2022, uh, go to my website, send me an email, get on, you know, let's, let's connect by phone and talk through it, and uh, we'll take your game to the next level. So that's where I've been up to, but I'm happy to be here today. I've got, oh, and I've got a guy coming in tonight from the Bahamas. Yeah, my first Bahamas. So. Bahamas? Yeah, what? so if he could come from the Bahamas, wherever you guys are at, come on out. Okay, I, no. I got to hear more about he's this. He's got to be a that, bit of a player if he's coming all and that way. What in the heck is he – he's probably never seen snow. Why don't you tell him what you're going to be getting tonight, Demi? <laughs> yeah, well, he's he's pot committed at this point. He's already got the air team play tickets. He's already probably – he's probably flying out as we speak. So, yeah, he has no idea what he's in for. It's uh, it's coming down outside. I uh, I was looking outside. I'm like, man – I don't want to leave the house today. It's a pretty nasty weather out. I'm like, shoot, I got to go to the airport. So anyway, that's okay. It's uh, it's only half an hour away from my house. I've got yeah. heated seats. Yeah. You know, for and for people, in all honesty, I've had a few people that are afraid of coming to Minnesota during the winter. So I should caution everybody from the time. It's, it's about 20 seconds from the airport to my car. And then I drive, park at the garage. We're indoors for three days. It's always 70 degrees and fluorescent here. So. Like and like the Minneapolis International Airport, from the numerous times I've been there, is, uh, I mean, you can't go wrong, really, uh, going in and out of the place. Yeah, there's a little traffic, but it flows pretty good. Yeah, so fun. All right, well, if you're tuning in, please give this a share. Uh, we are going to be talking about, well, we're going to be talking about everything that happened in the last year of pool. Here are my notes for today. Pretty good, right? This is how prepared I am for today. So we're gonna be is this is this gonna be like that happened? Is that is this gonna be like one of those things in the uh, in a movie where you see a newspaper with a headline and then if you actually like pause the video and read through it, it's like it's got some complete gibberish that it was written by AI about something. No, yeah, it's all zeros and ones. I wrote I wrote everything down in uh, binary. <laughs> That's right. It's nice. pretty impressive, right? I read pretty fast. You're in the Matrix, man. Makes perfect sense. Strings of falling text is all you see. Yes, exactly. And vertically, too. Not even horizontally. Vertically, yeah. You know, if That's you guys see me all of a sudden leaning way into the camera or way back so interesting, right? <laughs> and, and doing stuff like that, it's because I can't read the posts that are on here 
with the glasses I have on because I have bifocals. So I have to like this ah, to read what's on. I just, that's why I just I thought you wanted to. So I just thought you wanted to see all your of a sudden I'm like this. That's why. I thought you were just trying to get us to see your nose hair. I don't know. Who knows? Who but knows? Cody well, did just say something really cool here about you, Demetrius. You know, uh, if you have not gone to Demi, you absolutely need to. I am playing so much smarter, and my practice sessions are so much meaning more meaningful now than they were before. In other words, he's learned how to practice from going to you. Uh uh, his intentional purpose when practicing is is higher. The degree is higher. Yeah, thank you, Cody, and thanks, Rob. I'd love to. I'd love to go on forever, but you know what? Uh, for the uh, you know that's why they come here. So Nate, uh, yeah, I appreciate it, but I, I don't want to hijack Nate. He's got the notes. We've got our topics. Why don't you tell people our topic for the day? Well, we are going to be talking about everything that happened this year. We're going to have our players of the year. We're going to have our influencers of the year, our industry leaders of the year. We're going to be talking about the biggest moments that happened throughout the year. And basically, I mean, this is going to be the last podcast of the year as far as like the weekly show. Um, I'm trying to set up uh, with Jeremy Jones for Thursday of this week. So if that happens, we'll have one more this year. Uh, and, you know, seems like an appropriate guest to have for the you're not sure if he's going to be able to join in time. Uh, yeah, well, we're working out. <laughs> we're working out times right now. He's a busy oh, guy. So okay. We're we're working on making it happen. So that, that uh, joke hasn't uh, that joke hasn't worn off for me yet. So sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, yeah. he's doing holiday stuff. I'm sure. Oh family, yeah, yeah. And plus, he holiday. still has his he still has his normal stuff. I'm getting the podcast shared right now. That's what I'm doing. But all, uh, right. all right, let's 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 get jumped in. So um. I guess I, I have a couple announcements to do. So we are giving away a Predator Air Rush. Uh, we are going to be giving that away in about three days, four days. So if you want to get entered into uh, the drawing to potentially win yourself a free Predator Air Rush, a $600 uh, jump queue, you can go get signed up for the podcast's Patreon at patreon.com forward slash queue it up. I will put that in the... Uh, the comments right now. So if you wanted to get signed up or needed the link for it, it is right there. And we are going to be drawing that in about four days. Uh, one of the lucky patrons is going to get it. Next month's prize is going to be a custom carbon fiber shaft from White Carbon. So that's going to be a $500 prize next month. So we're going to be giving away $1,100 in prizes. And that's just the next two months. We're going to have more after that. So lots of things coming down the pike. It really pays to be a part of the Patreon. Plus, you get to support the uh, the future of the show. So it really helps us out with what we're doing here. And, uh, yeah, we are also going to be doing a custom a apparel order. So we're going to be putting that in in the, the next week or so. And after that, we are going to be getting a bunch more apparel. So if you want something uh, custom, whether it's a you know, colored hoodie or shirt or uh, Rob ordered seven pairs of custom underwear so that he can uh, throw out his underwear he's been wearing for the last 45 years. Uh, you can even get that. It'll be fun. Right, right, Rob? Well, I have, and <laughs> I could put on an exhibition right now of my Manscaped Ooh. underwear if you would like. No, Ooh, no, Dem no. Wait. Demetrius, wait. Demetrius looks interested. All I got to do is stand up. And Jeez. All right. Okay. All right. Now. See you later, Rob. All right. So, uh, I guess with those announcements out of the way, let's just get jumped in here. Uh, so 
as you can see from my very large amount of notes here, we are going to go through the year's uh, events kind of in ish sequential order, but we're going to kind of uh, group them up. So uh, I think the, the first thing to start out with that could be fun is the matchroom stuff because those are the biggest events of the years. Uh, so this was the first year for the Championship League pool. Uh, that was kind of a – I mean, I think everybody's for the most part, has the idea of it now. But it was kind of a confusing uh, format at the time. Uh, basically, you start out with seven players. One person gets eliminated every day. One person moves on to the finals. And then two more players come in on day two. Again, one person gets eliminated and one person makes it to the final bracket. Day three comes, one person gets eliminated, one person makes it to the final bracket. And then eventually you go through seven days of this and there's seven people that make it into the final bracket where the final bracket is just played out and the champion is the champion. Uh, that was won by Albin Ocean. And uh, second place was David Alkaidi. Kachi and Chris Melling get third place. I'm going to be talking a little bit more about Chris Melling later on. Uh, and, uh, I guess this is the start of the, in my mind, the dominance that we saw from Albin ocean this year. Uh, and it kind of was in interesting fashion. I mean, he got a lot of hassle there for kind of his attitude. He was really pouty. He was throwing stuff around. He was kind of being a, a I mean, for lack of a better term, a butthole, uh, to his opponents and to the, the event and then goes on and snaps the tournament, you know? So, uh, I think it's, you know, I think that was a little interesting and it's kind of maybe, a a predecessor for what happens for the rest of the year. Um, I guess looking back, do you, either of you have any comments on that event or anything that stood out from it? You know, I, I think it was a great format. It was interesting. It was different. I don't know that I'd want every event to be like that, but I think they have an annual event like that. It's very, very fun to see. Uh, you know, it tests stamina. It tests determination. There's some amazing comeback stories where people, you know, uh, try and try and try again and and uh and then there's other there's but it also oper, uh, opens the door for people to you know play really well and uh make good runs so i, I really like the format i thought it was a lot of fun <laughs> yeah, i got this uh i got this i got the sweet um coffee mug from rob right around that same time so that thanks rob still got it uh <laughs> rob did anything stand out from you from that i enjoyed the heck out of it watching it i, I thought the production wise it was really a cool event uh the camera work was great close-ups all that kind of stuff so from a standpoint of uh uh analyzing the game and that's what i do i analyze the players and the game when i watch pool and because of the camera type work and in this event i was able to do that and look closely at the players eyes at their heads what what how what other movements do they have in their body besides their arms swinging uh, their position at the table, how are their feet placed, how are their, their, their backs bent, their necks twisted, their whatever, and all that kind of stuff. And I, I, I do look at that. And, and of course, the, the tables, the way they played, to me, was exciting because they weren't easy, uh, especially that main table, that dream table. Uh, it was slippery, slidey, son of a gun, and the guys were having a little issue with it. And so that's always fun for me, like uh, like this last event where the because the balls were being racked by a human being in a regular rack, the balls weren't you couldn't say this is where those balls are going to end up every time. And and so you ended up with kind of different chess matches and things. So so I that's the part of that event that I really liked uh, that the gear shot isn't guaranteed every time, even if it looks simple to us. It's not a guarantee these guys 
best in the world are going to pocket that ball. Um, so I really like that. And, and of course, the guys who finished in the top four played great. They just did overall. And, and I, and, and I like that. And, uh, David Alkaidi is, he's always been really one, one of my, one of my favorite players for, I don't know exactly why I can't put my finger on it. I think it's, it's a youthful type of enthusiasm he has for a, his approach to playing the game. I don't know if he's like that in real life to sit back and talk with him or whatever. But once you put a stick in his hand, put him on the table, he's got some energy to him. And, and so that was kind of fun to watch that. And, uh, and Chris Melling, I've played him in a tournament and, and kind of known him a little bit, talked with him a little bit after the tournament and things got to know him. So I, I, I just know the talent uh, there is, is pure. In fact, he is, I'll, I'm just going to put a, a plug in for Chris. I, I've watched a lot of pool in my life. I've been watching pool for 60-some years. When I, wa- when I played him, and so I got to look close up and watch him close up in the act of shooting, it is the first time I saw a professional player play two-rail shape on every single shot. <laughs> I went, even shots where I would go up to the end rail and come back. Was that, the or was, that just so we could, was that just so we could let a stroke out or what? I believe so. Yes, it was the bar table. And he played two rail shape on every single shot that whole match. And I was just, I was so impressed with that. And I saw why he was doing it so that he could hit the ball. He hits the ball at about a six from a zero to 10. And you can't do that if you're not going to play two rail shape. You you have to slow up that stroke or speed it up depending on the spin you put on it. So I came away from that event playing him way more knowledgeable myself. Uh, and I incorporated that then into my game after that. Uh, I, I started thinking, hey, what, you know, why should I go to that end rail and spin it back? If balls are in the way, of course, you can't do that all the time. But uh, for the most part, uh, that I learned something from watching him play in that event. Well, uh, I guess my, my big takeaway from that event was just that it's it's I hate it. I can't stand it. I don't get a single thing done for eight days. Uh, it's it's pool for seven hours a day, and I get nothing done for eight days. I just sit there. I'm glued to it. I'm just, you know, race to five in that format. It's it's it, everything is exciting. Four to one is never a lead. I mean, it's 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 infinite. If I'm not mistaken, I think that might have been winter break too. I, I think it might have been winter. I, I'm probably wrong there. I'm sure it's alternate the breaks, but it might. No, be I, I, I think I right. agree with you. I agree with you. I was thinking about the races to five and how lots of lots of short sets. It was very very fun to watch. It's fun to watch a lot of sets come down to where every shot's yeah. critical. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I got nothing done for eight days. So, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's. I'm, I'm just going to start calling that the week from hell, uh, and just like just expect that. Hey. You want to do something this week? No, I'm done. You know, leave me alone. I'm 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 MIA for eight days. Leave me alone. So, uh, I mean, when it's that entertaining, I can't leave it alone. So, uh, that's my that's my uh, final thought from there. Let's move on to the World Cup of Pool. Um, Germany wins over uh, I the UK number seven team, and then Estonia and Slovakia get third fourth. I'm just kidding about the UK. It's UK team three. So UK team one was Jason and Chris. 
Uh, number two was Allison and Kelly. And then third was Carl Boyce and Darren Appleton. So they're the ones that get to second place. Uh, I guess that is, I mean, that's the biggest takeaway for me. I thought it was, I thought it was awesome to see. I mean, Darren's been playing a lot of pool the last few years and, you know, he's kind of under the radar, really getting his game back to where it was 2016 prior. And uh, I mean, Carl's like, comes out of the com box and just seems to play top pool no matter what. I just don't understand how he does that. Uh, I mean, he says he never practices, and I, I I guess he has no reason to lie to us. I mean, he makes some videos from now and then, but um, what would he practice for? He, he doesn't play in events. He's not trying to play in any events. So I think that's really interesting just seeing him come out of the com box and play, you know, world-quality pool. Uh, I guess that's – so that's my big takeaway, uh, I guess – Either of you, Rob, did you have anything from the World Cup of Pool that stood out to you that uh, you're remembering? Well, I think the, the, you know, the whole idea of not playing much, having Carl and Darren there on second place, uh, you know, Darren being a little older generation player competing with these younger guys, uh, that Carl, I believe, there, there is a factor in pool about not playing and then when you need to play, to be able to. Uh, what it is, is is a concentration and overall effort factor, I believe. And you don't need to actually beat your brains out every single day, hour, hour after hour. Once you have an internal automatic pilot pool, all you really knew, need to do is take the moment that you're in and apply all your history to that moment. And I think that's what guys like Carl do and why he's able to play at a high level, whether he practices a lot or not. It's that you're 130% dedicated to what you're doing at that moment. Not 90% or not, oh, I've shot this shot 100 times in the last three days. This is easy. It's like, wait a minute. I haven't shot this shot in the last three months. Now my dedication to the shot is going to be as high as possible. And, and that I've seen that in a lot of people's play that, that, that don't play, a, that are great players who haven't been practicing. But uh, yeah, I, that's the way they finished, you know, filler is fillers filler. I mean, you talk about composure, Mr. Composure, you know, I'm not surprised that he ends up on top of a, of a lot of tournaments. Uh, yeah, Demi. I'll just add, you know, I think that Rob's brought up some good points, but I, in the end, I think that it's uh, it's not surprising that players that have developed their game to a high level are able to pick up their cue, hit the ground running, and make a deep run. They've got no expectations. They're here and now. They're present. They're excited. All they're focused on is making the best of it. It's not a surprise they make it to the finals. However, it's also not a surprise that the players that are doing this in day in, day out, putting in the hours and going after it day after day, are the ones that won the finals. So I think that's a fun story to tell. Uh, I just want to mention, I, other than that, I didn't really follow the event that closely. It wasn't personally meaningful to me, so I don't have a ton. I just want to answer Alex. Uh, I'd say, hi, Kevin Reynolds. Hey, Kevin. Uh, I wanted to answer Alex. The next coach's corner, uh, I did another pod with Jesse. I'm just doing some editing. And so in that one, I have a few things I talk about that you might find to your liking. So uh, look for that episode here sometime in the next few weeks uh, once I'm done editing. Yep. Okay, so uh, I guess let's move on from there. The next event chronologically for the matchroom was the Masters. 
And I think uh, everybody's takeaway should probably be the same here. Alex Kazakis finally gets the monkey off his back when it comes to uh, the world, uh, the Whirlpool Masters. Uh, he beats Shane Van Boning. I want to say it was nine to one in the finals. Uh, I mean, huge win. Uh, Filler and Kachi. So the second time we've said uh, both of their names, which, I mean, I guess the big takeaway for me is Alex Kazakis. I mean, it's you, uh, Hollywood couldn't write a better story. I mean, just from what happened to him in 2020 to coming back in 2021 and, uh, you know, avenging that loss to David Alkaidi after being up six to two and maybe eight to five or something like that. And then losing nine to eight. Uh, I mean, storybook ending. I mean, how can you, how can you top that? Demetrius? Yeah. You know what this tournament reminds me of? I love the world pool masters. Uh, I feel it's one of my, it's, it's kind of one of my favorites because it's kind of an invitational small field where everybody in that thing has a chance to win. And what it reminds me of was back in the 90s and maybe early 2000s, they had the Challenge of Champions. I don't know if you remember those, but they had like, you know, two out of three or two races to five with a sudden death game or something like that. Um, there was even some, you know, Mike, you know, LeBron and Buddy Hall. Hey, OK, OK. <laughs> don't shoot, don't shoot. But anyway, I really enjoyed the Challenge of Champions. And to me, pool, the World Pool Masters has replaced that. And there's something about knowing it's an invitational. Everybody in that thing is elite. It's single limb, race to eight, winner breaks. Let's get going. There's I, And it's gotten developed some prestige over the years. So it's one of my favorites of the year to watch. And yeah, watching Alex Kazakis and, and do what he did, it was definitely one of the top chilling moments of the year was that finals. Yeah. Rob. Yeah, I got it. I'm going along with all that. You know, look at the names here that there just seems to be the same names showing up all the time in all these tournaments. Uh, Kazakis, Van Boning, Filler and Kachi. I mean, there's the top four in that tournament and uh, the, it's pretty repeatable. Uh, these players that you see them uh, performing at that high level on a big stage. Uh, that's that's a that's a great thing for the fans. I enjoyed it. Well, I I would say like uh, if there's one disappointment that came out of this, it was uh, Alex Kazakis. I was hoping that this was going to be his breakthrough and uh was kind of going to kind of thrust him up onto the nationals or you know the internationals like the top 5 10 player in the world and uh, I mean unfortunately it didn't um I mean that's actually the last time we're going to see his name up towards the top of any events in 2021. I uh, was hoping it was going to be a breakthrough, but it wasn't, unfortunately, for him. Uh, you know, he's still a great player, but I was hoping to see him up towards the top. I really like Alex Kazakis. I think he's a great ambassador for the game. I think he's a really chill guy. I think he's a really funny guy. And he's, Greek. Know, he's got a great personality. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sam. Jimmy, you could you could speak to this, though, yeah. this, uh, this point about uh, uh, what is a breakthrough year and what isn't a breakthrough year. When, when you put uh, 20 of the greatest – uh, athletes possible into any sport in a group. What's going to be a breakthrough year? Does one of so, those win five, six events? No, that's just not going to happen. So here's uh, here's the thing about it. For me, this is the only way. And I, I know, you know, I'm supposed to be like a decent player. I'm on a podcast. I'm supposed to have opinions. But the problem is when you're talking about things like this, it's like trying to understand you know, the human brain is not designed to understand large numbers. So when we start trying to understand like the size of the universe or how far stars are or, or, or you know, when we're trying to do math, like when we're trying to understand the national debt and trying to the national budget, it's like our brains are just we have a really hard time making sense of this stuff. Right. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing when I start trying to look at the top players of the world and I'm trying to understand like the difference between a guy that has 
a breakthrough and wins his first major like Alex did uh, with the, the World Pool Masters or versus a guy like Filler or Fedor that goes on a tear and wins two, three, a world championship and a U.S. opener. You know what I mean? A bunch, like a few majors and goes on a tear for a couple of years versus players like like Alex Kazakis and James Aranis before they'd really won a major where they're getting there, like, like uh, you know, where they're getting deep a lot and playing phenomenally, where it looks like they're playing well enough to win something, but it just hasn't worked out for them. To try to understand the difference between people that are making, you know, that are taking Final Four multiple times versus a guy that actually wins something once versus a guy that wins something a few times, it's hard for me to know if that's just a little bit of variance or if it's just some super hyper gear that they hit or if it's a few rolls. Like, it's, it's so far beyond anything that I can do that it's all – it's all breathtakingly spectacular to me. I, I assume that it's more than just luck when somebody does it back to back or whatever. But it's like in the end, man. I just am e I'm almost equally awed by anybody that could get to the finals or you know to, to do any of these things. Uh, I've worked so hard for so long to not get there that like anybody that could do it and get there, I'm just like, you know, kudos, man. They're all they're all superstars to me. How how much do you think that? Uh a player's uh, personal environment, their home environment, say, or their if they're not a full-time professional pool player, uh, has to do with that type of thing, whether they all of a sudden come out of a shell and they go crazy. Maybe their home environment changed somehow. So, so I think that I think that you can only like I don't think we have any predictive modeling. Like you can look at somebody, okay, that wins and and becomes like really, really, really dominant. And then you could sit there and try to explain it by looking at their circumstances and be like, oh, Shane's the best of the world because he was isolated as a child or because he needed pool to like represent himself or, or, you know, you know, whatever uh, you could point at whoever's at the top filler. Well, filler, he had this and he had this coaching, but I don't think that, I think that you can only, when you see stuff at that level, you can look and try to find explanations for how it could have happened. But if you took another 13 year old that has good coaching, or if you took another 13 year old that didn't have great hearing, or if you took another, like if you wanted to sit there and say, well, based on these factors that have in common with Josh Filler, I predicted in eight years, he's going to win multiple majors in a year. Yeah. I'll bet against that. Like, it's just, there's, it's, yeah. you could, I think you can only look at the stuff in retrospect, Rob. Do you think him having a great uh, wife pool player is advantageous to him? I, Again, you know, I, I think that in in the end, Rob, I think that I think that the people that are going to get number one in the world have such a single-minded focus and such a burning desire and such such a burning desire and single-minded focus that if having a wife in their corner is going to make them or not, then I don't think they would have gotten there either way. So I think that I think that the people that are going to get there okay. are absolutely going to get there. And then, yeah, that just happens. Like what car they drove on their way to the event? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, okay. Yep. that makes sense. Okay. Yep. So uh, I guess I want to say want to thank you to Eves because he sent 200 stars. So thanks, Eves. Hey, awesome. nice. And apparently you can get free stars to send. I had 200 for free. Oh. I don't know. Well, I got nothing. Uh, I, I like free stars. Anyways, uh, so let's move on. Um, oh, and anybody out there in the chat, as we're talking these things through, tell us what your most memorable part of it. So what is everybody's most memorable part from the Whirlpool Masters? Uh, as we move on now to the U.S. Open, and <clears throat> Carlo Beato gets first place over Aloysius Yap, which is the start of his kind of tear that he goes on for about a, a two-month stretch. I, it started a little bit before then, I guess, but 
Oh, no, sorry. I'm skipped over the World Pool Championships. We're going to go back to the World Pool Championships. Uh, World Pool Championships, uh, first place goes to Albin Ocean. Second place is Omar Al-Shaheen. Uh, third, fourth goes to David al and Oliver Solnaki. So, uh, Mike Gaines says when Shane got beat in the World Pool Masters. Well, that is also when Kazakis wins. So, yay. Okay. So Whirlpool <laughs> Masters, uh, I, I guess Demetrius, you watched a little bit of this, I believe. The, the World Championships. World, for, yeah, the World Championships. Well, I, I mean, what stood out for me is Alvin Ocean. Um, I've I watched a few of his matches, and I'll tell you what, I know that the top players play very aggressive, and I know that you know in my in my sunset years, I'm probably playing a little bit too cautious. I, I play safe a little bit more when you know. So it's not it's not uncommon for me. To think that, oh, he's going to play safe here and then watch a guy go for something that I – Albin shot at stuff that I was just like – it was like watching Tony Johan play one pocket for the first time where you're like, well, you don't shoot at that. And Albin went for stuff that was so far out of my comfort zone of what I thought that you'd go for in a match, and he did it again and again and made those shots again and again. And it, it just – I've never been that speechless. I was glad I wasn't doing commentary for that match because – I would have just like turned off the mic and just been like, okay, you know what? I'll, I'll go back to like, you know, I, I'll go back to like something different. Cause I, it was just mind blowing. So that's what stood out. <laughs> Rob, did you have anything from it? Uh, let's see. We're on us. We're on the world pool championships, Albin, Omar, yep. David Alcardi. And I, I just appreciated it all. That's, that's what I got. Yep. That was great. I enjoyed well, it. Well, uh, yeah, I got two big takeaways. Um, one of them is Oliver Solnaki. Uh, I, I've like, I, if you listen to the podcast regularly, you know that I think he's going to be a top five player in the world. And I think I said two years, uh, I stand by that. I, I think that, I, I mean, I'm telling you that this, the, the dedication, the, the, the vision that this kid has, I think he's maybe 22, 23, something like that. He's got everything. Uh, I think that he's going to be a top player in the world in two to three years. And <clears throat> this was the first time I've ever even heard of him. Uh, and I've met him. I've met him since then. Talked to him uh, several times, actually. Uh, lucky enough to play some scotch doubles with him. We played against Daniel Schneider and uh, Michael Schneider at uh, Vegas. It was, it was quite a bit of fun. We played scotch doubles against them. And, uh, you know, we won 7-0 in the second set. So that's, you know, it's not a big Yay! deal, but, it's, you know, it's whatever. Yeah, I hopefully uh, hopefully this gets back to Mike. <laughs> Your partner was yeah, really hitting him good that day, huh? I guess. Yeah, Oliver, Oliver's back still hasn't recovered, so it's uh, it's fun. Yeah, but, um, I, I did not know I, a lot about Omar at the time I watched this. I had not heard a lot about him or followed him. So, yeah, I was extremely impressed with his overall playing demeanor, his uh, attitude at the table. Pretty impressive. Uh, the calmness that he played with, I like that. Uh, hey, real quick, I just want to answer two questions. Uh, Ryan, uh, I am not going to be playing in Seacoast next week. I'm going to Turning Stone. So Turning Stone and Seacoast conflict, so I go to Turning Stone. Uh, I just That's my preference. And then as far as uh, Alex mentioned something about uh, Kazakis had a bad set and barely gritted one out, he's like, is that something that a lot of tournament winners have in common is you get a lucky escape and then you hit a gear? And I think that the answer is yes for two reasons. Uh, one reason is when somebody gets into a tight match where – they're facing a loss and then they get away with it and they kind of get through it. Um, it 
it maybe they start to feel like things are just going their way and it's maybe their day, but there's also something where they've kind of faced, they've kind of surrendered. They're like, well, I might lose here. And they've kind of accepted that. So now there's, they're not as scared. They're not as tight and controlling. And they're just like, well, now I'm not even supposed to be here. So I'm just on a free roll and things are going my way. Let's see what happens. So that's one reason. But the other reason is that uh, when you're playing in a world pool masters race to eight against world champion after world champion or whatever, uh, you're just going to have some tough scrapes and that you're going to need to get like the winner is going to have some tough matches and get a little lucky. It's not like it's very, very, very exceptional to see one person dominate a performance, eight, three, eight, one, eight, two, and just do that through everybody, the whole tournament much, much, I'd say, 95% of tournaments are won. But if you go back and watch that person's matches, just statistically, they're probably going to have a couple scrapes. So both statistically, it's very common. And also psychologically, it's not it's not rare to see that. Okay. So uh, the, back on topic, uh, the, the second thing that um, really stood out to me, and I'm going to talk about this a lot more later, because uh, this is going to be one of my uh, tops of the year uh, in a negative way, I guess. But um, Chris Melling, uh, I guess he gets a, a complete gift handed to him from the Omar Al Shaheen match. I'm still blown away by that match. I think that's one of the biggest standouts for me of the year. Uh, Omar Al Shaheen uh, is up eight to seven in a race to nine and misses a straight in nine ball. I mean, it. it I mean, I'm, I'm using straight in not in the literal sense, but I mean, it's the cue balls like at the third diamond ish. The nine balls like just underneath the spot. It's basically straight in and he shoots it right into the rail and that's you know uh that makes it hill hill and then you know chris melling does the same exact thing the next match uh, it's a, i think it was the four ball up into the top left corner misses it omar runs out for the win and we haven't seen chris melling since uh i don't i mean i don't know that it's related i i would imagine it's not but I have not seen a single Chris Melling sighting since that happened. He wasn't at the U.S. Open. He wasn't at the uh, – obviously, he wasn't at the the, uh, the Moscone Cup playing in it. But he also wasn't there uh, – he also wasn't there um, watching it. He wasn't in any Euro tours that I saw. I mean, there, I just didn't see him in anything. Uh, in fact, I don't even think he was in the GB9s, and that's like right in his backyard. So uh, I just think that's an interesting thing. Um. So, yeah, I guess uh, that's that's an interesting thing. I'll talk more about that later. But uh, I guess everybody out there watching, what was your biggest takeaways from the World Pool Championships? Um, I guess I haven't – I guess we talked about what ours were. Let's move on to the U.S. Open. Uh, Carlo Beato wins over Aloysius Yap, which is, like I said earlier, before I uh, skipped over the World Pool Championship, the start to his tear. Uh, Dennis Arcoyo and Nayuki Yoi get to third place. Uh, Nayuki Yoi goes on a mini tear. He does really well in the World 10 ball and then goes on to take third in the U.S. Open. Uh, <clears throat> I guess with that being said, uh, biggest takeaway I have from the U.S. Open, I guess, is the rise of Aloysius Yap. Um, of course, Carlo Beato's a monster, and I, I think he's probably the most underrated Filipino, if that's even possible to say. Uh, when people talk, uh, you know, at least what I hear when people are talking about the best Filipinos, they're talking about Dennis or... Anton Raga or, you know, one of those two kind of is, but I think, I think Carlo Beato is like just as good, if not better than both of those players right now. And it, uh, usually the, the Filipinos don't play each other, but um, I wouldn't mind seeing a big matchup between Carlo and Dennis. I, I, I'm, I know, I know that they play a lot back in the Philippines, but that's totally different playing conditions, generally speaking. And 
yeah, I, I guess I would like to see those two match up just to see who the best Filipino is and, you know, maybe throw Anton in there, of course, as well. But uh, that's my big takeaway. Uh, what you got, Demetrius? Yeah, I, I think, you know, Yap is definitely the the highlight. I think that the event itself was just spectacular. Uh, I think that once it went to rack, your, uh, once it went to referee rack, uh, I will admit I didn't like the breaking rules back when they were using the templates. Uh, but once they got to the final 16 and they started doing uh, extended sets, you know, race to 11 instead of race to nine and using a triangle rack, it seemed like it was the perfect blend where the break was easy enough that people could go on big tears and win three, four, five games in a row at times. But it was also challenging enough to make a hard break and control the balls to where there was still turnovers and gameplay. And, and there was a lot of, there was, I saw like in the finals, uh, with the app and uh, Beato, we saw a lot of safety play. We saw a lot of great kicking. So what we got to see is we got to see at times Yap came on and ran a bunch of racks and looked like he was just going to dominate the set. And then we saw Beato take the momentum back and we saw it swing once or twice and then Beato took it all the way. So I think it was a perfect blend where there was enough after the break play to see turnovers, to see mistakes, to see safeties and to see pivotal clutch shots and pivotal clutch kicks while still having enough offense to see some really good displays of offense and some penalties for mistakes and to see some benefits to winning those safety. It was, it was like the perfect blend of offense and defense and momentum and, and, you know, things like that. It was a really good format. I really liked it. Yeah, I agree. Um, oh, and I, I need to stop and give a very, very, very happy birthday to Claire. Thank you, Claire for the stars. Uh, same with Alex Bausch. Thank you very much for the stars and uh, happy birthday to Claire. Yay. Okay, Rob, go ahead. Yeah. Was the U.S. Open, did that not have a contingent of Asian players in it? Not as many or was that so still? It was yeah. So Chang Jung Lim. Kind of international. There were a few players, um, but. We haven't seen any China players since, uh, or Chinese players, I guess I should say, since uh, COVID. Yeah. Um, there's been a few Taiwan players who've made it over. I haven't okay. seen the Co brothers, but Chang Jung Lin did do a tour of the US. He was able to get over here. Um, yeah, that, that was so, the only thing about the tournament that, that I wasn't really. Yeah, that's a really about, good, that's that a really good was, highlight. I, I completely Asian forgot. Players, and where does Noi, Nooki Oi, where is he? He's from Japan, correct? He's from Japan. Yeah, he's from Japan. So he was there and well, he came in fourth, I believe. Uh, third, fourth. Yeah, third, fourth. Yeah, third and fourth. Uh, so that's the only thing about that tournament that kind of I was a little disappointed about that. You know, I look forward to seeing the Asian players play over here. And and I really didn't see that many of them. So, uh, but yeah, yeah I, I can't Carlo argue Piato, Come on. I mean, absolutely fantastic player. And, and yeah, is, we're going to talk about this later. Is one of the things you mentioned on your list, Nate, that we're going to talk about is the future of the game and stuff. And Oh, yeah. Super impressive. I completely forgot about this. Little Chris says from Japan, not Tokyo. That was funny. I guess oh. for uh, – oh, that's it. Uh, when we were doing our VG events, uh, we were talking to uh, – uh, well, uh, a player from Japan, and we asked him where he was from, and then we asked him uh, where where Naoki was from in Japan, and his response was not Tokyo. He wouldn't oh. tell us where he was from. He just said not Tokyo. It's <laughs> <laughs> <was> like, thanks. <laughs> apparently, Jap apparently he's not from Tokyo. So <laughs> we just thought that was funny. Uh, he wouldn't tell us where he's from. He just says not not Tokyo, and then walks away. <laughs> so that was funny. Um, 
So I, I guess uh, let's move on to well, the do the, Cup. Let me ask this question, Nate. Do the, the players then from the Philippines that played in the Open, are they living here in the United States then? So many of them do. Um, not not literally. They don't like literally live here. Uh, but they have kind of like uh, sponsors who bring them over there. Like I know Carlos Sanchez uh, does a lot to get over um, like Dennis Arcoyo. Uh, and then while he was over here, he backs them and stuff like that. So I know that there's people around the country that, uh, of course, Roy's basement, uh, he's, he kind of sponsors James Aranis when he's over here and helps him get over here and stuff like that. And uh, the visas are different. So it's a little bit harder for them. You know, the, the U.S. is it's one thing that like the people from the U.S. just don't really understand this is like, sure, we can jump on a plane and go to Norway or Italy or South Africa or you know, basically wherever we want to go in the entire world. And we don't have to do anything. Like we just jump on a plane and go. But if other places want to come here, like there's a couple countries that are just, you know, they can just jump on a plane or whatever. But there's most of the most of the countries in the world, they actually have to like get a visa, apply for a visa. They have to like say, I'm going to be here from this time to this time. This is what I'm doing. And then you got to get approved. And we saw that uh, was an issue for um, Eklund Kachi because that's why he actually missed out on a lot of events this year because he, he could never get his visas cleared. Uh, the U.S., I mean, that's one luxury we just don't have to worry about for the most part. We can go wherever we want just about whenever we want, because I guess, I don't know, we're the USA and we get to do stuff like that. I but, guess that um, explains our global pool dominance. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Over the bitterness. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, um, it's actually very difficult for uh, it's, it's very difficult for the, the Filipinos to get over here without a sponsor. Uh, so the players who make it over here, the, a lot of them have sponsors and that's why they're able to get over here as frequently as they do. Like the Dennis's and the sure. James Aronis's and uh, Jeffrey Luna's Roberto Gomez's and, you know, so on and so forth. And okay. maybe that's why, I mean, I don't know that this is true, but maybe that's why we don't see other Filipinos more like the Lee Van Cortezas or uh, the Johan Chua's or, you know, there's, you, you name it. There's, there's, there's 25 amazing Filipino players that you've never even heard of that you know they just can't get out of the country to come to the US to show their abilities. So it's um sure. I think that's a lot of the reason why we don't see Filipinos more often. But uh, okay, let's move on to the Moscone Cup briefly. We've talked about this a bunch of last few days, but Europe wins 11 to 6. Uh my big takeaway is Shane Van Boning's struggles. I mean, he he went 0 for 4 in singles matches. He lost to Joshua Filler twice, Jason Shaw once and Eklant Kachi. I mean, that's my big takeaway. I mean, Demetrius, I know you hate the Moscone Cup, but is there anything that you want to say? The only it? thing I'd say about that is like, okay, you put Shane on a losing team and then hold him accountable for his performance. I, like, I've played some team pool. When you when everybody on your team can't win and you know your team can't win, <laughs> it's, it's hard to play good, man. It's hard to play good. So the question is, let's put it this way. Suppose Shane was on Team Europe, okay? Say, say him and Kachi switch spots. And Shane's playing on Team Europe, and he knows that even if he loses, he's going to win, and yeah. and that and that it's not all on him. And he's, he's got four other players that are going to win all their matches, and most of his matches, he's a heavy favorite. Um, he's going to perform totally differently. And I just feel like I don't know that it's because he's a bad team player. I just think you put him in like you put him in. A, here's the way I said it. To, I was talking to Jesse about this. We didn't record, but my opinion is it's like watching a race to a hundred, and then on day three, when the guy's now like ninety to sixty. It's like watching the guy who's down 90 to 60 play poorly and lose from down there. And it's like, well, at that point, like 
it's just how are you going to look at the guy who's down 90, 60 and be like, you know, he made some questionable decisions there. It's like, yeah, well, he was already, you know, I mean, that's how I felt. Like anytime Shane plays the Moscone Cup, I just feel like he's down 90 to 60 and it's not really fair to judge his performance there. But, okay, that's my only opinion on that. So, yeah, I'm not a big Moscone Cup guy. I don't like – teams i don't like spectacle i like i'm kind of a purist i don't like voting on people you know voting people on and popularity so it just doesn't jive with me so rob yeah well we thought we did talk about the moscone cup at length the last couple of episodes uh and my of course i i am a fan of short races <laughs> i really am uh every single mistake guess what that could be a match difference race to 11 you can make I don't know. What do you think? In a race to 11 against a competitor who's this about equal as you, whatever you are, a couple of seven day or something in there, you can make two or three mistakes and still win that match. Race to five, guess what? That's another ball game. And 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 that part of the pool I do enjoy. Uh, that the intensity, the first shot of the first rack is just as important as every other shot there is. And, uh, and and I do like that. The thing I don't like about it, of course, is that it's over quickly. <laughs> and sometimes too quickly. <laughs> a race to five can be can be pretty sharp. But we saw some matches go. Look at Jeremy's singles match. I mean, what was he up when he lost that That's- five to four? He was up. What was he up? Four to one? I mean, no, no, you're talking about Jeremy and Chris. Jeremy and Chris were yeah. up four to one. Jeremy was down four to the one in the partners. Yeah. Jeremy but, was down, I think, oh, to two, three to one, and then four to three. And then, yeah, and came back, you know, uh, that particular match, that singles match he had that he lost on that, whatever. The, well, he never, and he never had a ball skid on him. Uh, no, I, no. I actually didn't see too many I mean, balls. I really didn't just, that whole event. Taking uh, a shot of cleaning that. Yeah, right. Too too many balls. Uh, uh, I got to do that. And <laughs> even on day one, you know, I didn't see I didn't see a lot of that. There was some. Uh, I I did see, and I mentioned this last week that if you were uh, cutting a ball along the short rail, pocketing it in one of the corner pockets, you had to be extremely careful with that shot. Much more so than cutting it down the long rail. It's four inch pockets. Right. I mean, but that's tough. Some anyways. of those long rail shots, it was hitting two, three inches above the uh, pocket and going in. Short rail, you couldn't even hit an inch to the inside of the pocket. I mean, it wasn't going to go. It was going to bobble. Uh, yeah. so. All right. Well, all right. So those were all the matchroom events. We need to probably speed it up for the rest of these. So uh, the International Open, Albin, uh, yeah, Albin Ocean wins. Orcoyo gets second. Uh, Shane Van Boning and James Aranis get third. Uh, James, well, Shane Van Boning gets third, Aranis gets fourth place. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's just too much to talk about there. Uh, I guess Albin continues his dominance. Does anybody yeah. else have anything? I Here's what I think, Nate. I think that in the other topics, I think you should just list off all your nominal, uh, all your honorable mentions and all your candidates, and then we just pick one that we feel the most strongly about and vote for it and why. I think that way we'll get – otherwise, if we both – if we all give our opinions on every piece of every one of these, we're not going to get through those notes. Yeah. So why don't you just run through all the uh, all the candidates and then we'll vote. Well, the, the one the one that we will give a little bit of time to, I think, because it's it's a big event, is the World 10 Ball. Um, Kachi wins, gets his first uh, world championship. Nayuki Oi comes up short but probably has the best finish of his entire career. Um, and then uh, Aloysius Yap and Johan Chua get uh, third, fourth. So I guess – uh, more dominance from uh, Yap at that point. 
Uh, congratulations, Kachi. First world t- championship. I, I guess. Do you, do either of you have anything? I actually didn't follow that one. I didn't follow that one. Okay. So then uh, the, the last kind of independent one is the NBL 10 ball. We talked about that a lot last time, but uh, that's uh, John Mora and Corey Duell That happened last week. So uh, we don't have to talk about that one. Uh, and I thought we could take a look back at my events that I did this year for the, the Q it up network, because those, you know, we had the, the VG 10 2.0. Yeah. Uh, there was Conrad, no other pool during that. Yeah. The, well, earlier on in the year, there wasn't. So uh, Conrad uh, gets first place. Ivan Maluto jumps on the scene. Nobody's ever really heard of him. I don't think. Uh, and then Jim Telfer and Nayuki Oi get third, fourth. So great for Jim Telfer, you know, getting, you know, buttoned shoulders with some of those monsters. That's, that's a pretty cool showing for him. And then we had the VG9, which was the women's event. Uh, Kelly Fisher wins over Margaret Fafalova and Alul Kabaroglu. And Yuki Hiraguchi gets uh, third, third, fourth. Uh, and then the VG Battle of the Sexes. Tyler Steyer won over Mieszko Fortunski. And then you had Kelly Fisher and Ivan Maluto get third, fourth. So again, Kelly Fisher up at the top. Uh, pretty good event for her. And then, uh, so that's all the for my events. And then the Predator Tour starts this year, and I think that this is something that we could really spend a little bit of time on, uh, and I think we will later on, uh, because I think that they're they're one of the biggest uh, additions to the industry this year. But they had one, two, three, four, five, five different events, and one of them had a women's open, so that was pretty cool. Only one of these had a women's open. I think that in the future they're going to need more of those but uh i don't know that it's really sustainable in the u.s i don't i don't know if they'll be able to do that with the women i just don't know how many touring women professionals there are in the u.s um but you know that's that's a question for them not for me so arizona was the very first one chronologically uh fedor gorst wins over carlo beato and this was the one where both uh mike deshane uh and i think uh cory duel had a little bit of a blow up about the format and this was kind of the start of like the this format is dumb Players don't like it. Players won't support it. And Mike DeShane was the start of that, but apparently he was kind of drunk from what I heard and was just being a kind of a bully, to say the least. Yeah. So, um, oh, and I do want to give another shout out. Thanks again to uh, Eves for sending more stars. That was really nice of you, Eves. So I got more stars, 666. Fun. Almost my Fargo. Uh, And then the next one was the Diamond Las Vegas Open. Uh, Kunlin Wu, one of the Asian players. We finally have an Asian player. Uh, well, I mean, not Philippine or Middle Eastern, I guess, um, Asian. Uh, Omar Al-Shaheen gets second place in that. Dennis Graba and Shen, uh, Shane Van Bonen get third, fourth. Uh, the Michigan Open was won by Aloysius Yap. Uh, Roberto Gomez gets second. Mario He and Oliver Solnaki get third, fourth. The Austrian Open was won by Eklund Takachi. Second place went to Tyler Steyer. And then the Women's Open for that was won by Kelly Fisher. And uh, the second place was by Sirac. So I'm not totally sure who she was, uh, as I said at the time. Uh, and then the Ohio Open, which was the last one, was won by Mario He. Second place went to Roberto Gomez and Jeffrey DeLuna. Uh, and Ruslan Chinnikov get third, fourth. Uh, I think the Predator event was a really, really good one. Uh, the tour has a lot of promise, and so we're going to talk about that a little bit more, I guess. Um, I'm just going to plow through these. So these were all the gambling matches. Uh, and we, you know, if we have any opinions on this one, we can stop. Uh, the first one was uh, Justin Hall versus Corey Duell in one pocket. Justin Hall ended up winning that one. Uh, the second one, which I actually want to spend a little bit of time on because I think it's just funny. Jeffrey DeLuna versus Fedor Gorst in the 10 ball. 
Uh, Fedor Gorst won very comfortably. And I just think like the funniest event or the funniest thing that happened this entire year for me was Jeffrey DeLuna breaking the balls from like eight inches outside of the kitchen and then getting upset with Fedor when he's like, you can't do that. Like he, he like, you know, if this is the, if, if this is the kitchen, like this piece of paper is the kitchen. He's breaking like here. He's way outside of it. The cue ball's like six or seven inches down table. And he doesn't like, he doesn't see anything wrong with it. Like, I just think that's the funniest thing of the year. I, I, I think it's hilarious. I just think it's really funny. Uh, I, I mean, I don't, do either one of you have a, a thought on that? It's hard to even know what to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> How does it happen? That's what I think. How does that even happen? I, I just think it's so funny. Like Fedor comes up and says, you know, like, what are you, what are you doing? And Jeff's like, what? There's, there's nothing wrong with this. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's, it's like, okay. It's funny. Cause like every time you break the balls, like you make like a little white spot on the table, right? Especially if you're hitting the balls pretty hard and you can see that, like you can see Fedor's it's like, right. You know, about an inch behind the break line. And then you can see Jeffrey DeLuna's and it's like, three inches outside of the kitchen you could just see it on the stream like it's so funny to me i don't know what can you do uh this one seemed like it was just so much longer ago than what it was but uh chris reinhold played danny olsen uh a brace to 110 ball uh danny olsen again won super comfortably in that maybe about like 30 or 40 games um kind of put danny olsen on the map and then we haven't really seen anything or heard much of him since i mean he's, he's been out playing but he hasn't had any big events that he's done well in since. Um, do either of you have anything that you want to talk about for on, on that one? On that one, I'll say that was one of my favorite matches of the year. Maybe the reason why is because when I look at Danny Olson, there's this thing where when you're looking at players that are just a little bit above you, um, that see when I look at guys like Filler, you know, it's inspiring to a point, but I'm so far, he's so far out of reach for me that it's not it's not the same. Whereas when I look at how Danny plays. He's a better player than me, but it's it's like it's it's not out of reach that I could see how I could get from where I am to where he is. And so when I looked at how he was breaking the balls and how well he was striking the break, and I got to see that too in the virtual events that you ran earlier in the year, uh, I was really paying attention to Danny's break. And then I saw how his break and a couple other things he's doing as far as the way he's striking half court shots. Like I really like I was all over studying Danny's game this year and really seeing how he did it because he's made a finals run at, uh, you know, the Super Billiard Expo Pro event. He's he's done well on a few of these, uh, you know, gambling matches and a few of these pro events. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I can almost see how I can almost get from here to there. Uh, and so that was inspiring to me to watch how his break allowed him to really dominate that match to the point. And then, and then meanwhile, he hasn't really done a ton outside of that, but he's been playing you know, rack your own 10 ball. He's been playing nine ball, you know, so we, but, but, but it just goes to show kind of like Tyler Steyer wrote his break to victory lane and then developed his game to support it. Uh, and maybe Shane did that at one point too. Uh, it just shows how powerful that break is where when he's playing 10 ball, he's on a magic rack. Danny can be a real, real threat versus, you know, when he's playing nine ball or a different format or triangle rack. And so anyway, that inspired me, man. Watching that match was probably my highlight of the year. Yeah, I, I look at Danny's game, uh, and one player, the Minnesota player, as a matter of fact, uh, stands out in my mind as uh, the same type of approach to the table is Jimmy Wetch had, had really a similar approach to the table as Danny Olson does, uh, the way he, he will get down on the shot with a, with a tempo 
that is dedicated and uh, uh, serious. And uh, that to me is, uh, from an opponent standpoint, I played Danny and I, I went, I'm in for a match here. Immediately his first shot he took just because of that, because of that, the, the motion getting to the table. It's like an artist painting a picture a little bit when Danny plays. And and you know you know that you're in for something a little special when you watch him play. I, I enjoyed playing him. I enjoyed watching him play too. And he's he's going to be coming on the scene. Oh yeah, next few years for well, sure. We hope so. We need him in the U.S. So <laughs> we need him All in right, the let's... U.S. Yes, we do. And we yeah. need Demetrius in the U.S. We need you to to uh, to to uh, uh, get yeah, in. Come on, Demetrius, become an 800 Fargo. Yeah. All right. Become an 80, anyways. I got nothing right, else to do this afternoon, so okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, Roberto Gomez versus Sky Woodward. This was uh, in exhibition, but I thought it was an interesting uh, matchup. Uh, Roberto Gomez won pretty comfortably. Uh, Oscar Dominguez versus Johnny Archer. Uh, we all know what happened there. Uh, Dominguez won, and, well, the rest is written in history, right? <laughs> yeah. He got zero money, but that's okay. Well, I don't know. It's not okay, but. Let's move on. Air Justin barrel Bergman of the year. Bergman. Yeah, well, that's, that, that'll get the award right there. Justin Bergman versus Fedor Gorst. Uh, I thought this one was an interesting one. Fedor won. Uh, th again, this match just seemed like it was so long ago, but I remember watching every second of it. It was, it was good. Uh, Sky Woodward versus Dennis, which for my money was um, the second best match of the year. This was uh, a race to 150 bar box. Sky Woodward won 150 to 145. Uh, I mean, fantastic swings all the way around. I thought it was an amazing match. The, but I'll just was, say, I'll just say that was the only fun I've had watching bar pool in like the last ten years. So that was that, that was pretty yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'll give thumbs up on that one too. That was fun to watch. And then uh, the the best match of the year, I think, just about everybody would agree, is Shane Van Boning versus Dennis Arcoyo. Uh, the final score was one twenty to one nineteen. Shane Van Boning was up maybe one fourteen to ninety four or something like that, and ended up losing. Uh, uh, it will only be eclipsed by the, the real best match of, well, 2022, which will be Dom versus, uh, Andrew Cleary, but yeah. we won't talk about that yet. Yeah. Just, just cause I see Dominic down out there. <laughs> uh, and then Shane Van Boning played Sky Woodward on the bar table and Shane just destroyed him. It was 150 to 104, 114 or something like that. It wasn't very close. Uh, Oscar versus Omar. Uh, again, just a, a little bit of a, I think it was an exhibition. Maybe there was a little bit of money on the line, but Omar won uh, another great match. I think it was like 193. It might've been tighter than that. It was 98. It was 98. Yeah, 198. Yeah. Great match. Uh, I Yeah, yeah, we commentated didn't, that, didn't we? I feel like we yeah. commentated that match. All right. And then uh, Sky versus Carlo Beato. I still, will, for the life of me, will not understand why his backers would put him up against Carlo Beato, but whatever. Uh, Carlo Beato won pretty comfortably. Um, Shane Van Boning versus Dennis on the bar table. Shane won even more comfortably. It was like 197 or something, 150 to 97 or something like that. Shane blew him out. Uh, and then uh, probably the third best match of the year, I for my money, was Shane Van Boning versus Chang. Um, you know, maybe it's, you know, it has an argument to actually be the best match. Um, you know, you can, you can say whatever you want when they get to 115 to 115 and decide to cancel it and run it back the next day, race to 45. Uh, I, I personally didn't have a problem with it because it's more pool. 
but I could see how people would say that it's uh, the easy way out. And that's is what we want to see down the stretch race to five for all the marbles. I get it, but more pool for me makes me happy. So, um, and then I guess, let me just close out really quickly. Um, Pia filler versus uh, April Larson. Pia filler ended up winning that chip Compton versus uh, Scott Frost, which was the best one pocket matchup in my for my money of the year. Uh, Chip won that on the hill. I think it was 40 to 39. And then Jason Shaw versus Dennis Arcoyo. Dennis Arcoyo won. Um, I guess any of those matches, did uh, any of those stand out as far as the gambling matches? I second the Chip Compton versus Scott Frost. It's just just an awesome, awesome match. And, uh, oh, hey, I got to say hey to Tim Hike. How's it going, Tim? All right. Okay. Oh, Um, Demi. Well, then – Okay, so this is uh, so this I want everybody to partake in the chat room. Um, help us with this one. We're going to talk about our top five players of the year. So this is all events all year long, and who we think did the best. Now I'm going to give my list as kind of what we decided, and you guys are going to argue with it. Uh, no. Tell me where. Tell me whether I'm right. Tell me whether I'm wrong. Tell me who I should have had on. Tell me who I shouldn't have had on. Uh, and we'll go from there. Does that sound good? Okay, then my list is number one. Well, we'll we'll go worst to, worst to first. Uh, so my number five player of the year was Omar El Shaheen. Uh, he came on big, uh, got second in the world, uh, the world, um, the World Pool Championships. He also had a very deep run in the World Ten Ball, and he had a, a big event for the U.S. Open. I think he made the finals. And then he also did well in uh, a couple of the Predator Tour stops. So for my number five, that is Omar Al-Shaheen. Number four, Kelly Fisher. Uh, She won my VG9 event. She took third in the VG Battle of the Sexes event. She won the Austrian Open Ladies event. And she also had a deep run in the CLP. She uh, made the – did she make the final – no, she didn't make the final bracket. But she had – I think she made it to day four. And that's – you know, that's pretty good. I mean, that's, uh, she made four days against some of the best men's players in the world. I think it's awesome. And I think that, uh, she deserves a, the number four spot. Number three for me goes to Dennis Arcoyo. He didn't have a lot of deep runs in a lot of events, but, uh, he did end up taking, um, second in the international open. He also had a deep run in the U S open. He got third in the U S open, but the re- the big reason for me, why he takes number three, it's because of all the gambling he's done and all the all the big wins he's had. He beat Jason Shaw. He beat uh, Shane three twice. Uh, he beat Sky. Um, well, no, he didn't beat Sky. Uh, he lost to Sky, but Sky backed out on him the second time, so he didn't get the run back. Um, yeah, Kelly also won in Iowa, and uh, I think that uh, Dennis Okoyo for both his tournament finishes as well as his individuals or uh, his yeah his uh, gambling matchups deserves the number three spot in my mo- mind. Uh, number two goes to Aloysius. Yep. Uh, again, uh, takes second in the U.S. Open. He has a deep run in the the World Ten Ball. Gets third place there uh, for a stretch of like a month and a half. Like he had like an 870 Fargo uh, Fargo rate. For, uh, released that for like basically a stretch of a month. He played 40 points, 40 points, 40 or 50 points higher than anybody in the world. I mean that 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 alone for me says what a stretch of dominance that he had and I don't think that that should be swept under the rug. I think that's a huge accomplishment and needs to be highlighted. And then number 1 for me, uh this one is pretty easy. It's it's Alvin Ocean. I mean, he won the 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 CLP 
the championship league predator championship league pool he won the world pool championships uh you know technically he won the moscone cup if you want to if you want to go that he won the international open he had deep runs in a lot of other events and i i think hands down albin ocean uh had the best year for pool uh based off of everything that he won and went deep in so with that being said uh demetrius what part of my list do you hate what part of my list do you like yeah i i i agree with all of it i actually think that uh the one that i would just have to jump on the back and agree 100 percent is alvin ocean i see seth white says the same thing in my in my mind if i had to pick three events and just say like which are the most prestigious and which are the hardest to win if i had to say which are the hardest events to win i would think that it would be the international open the u.s open and the world championship and to win Wait, two sorry, out of those that order no, 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 no. I think that the, I think just that in general, just in general, I, I think in general. Yeah. I, you know, I okay. don't know between the world championship and the U S open, which, which are the, I would say those two are the tougher and I don't know which is tougher. Uh, but in any case, the world championship, the U S open, the international open to win two out of three of those. It's, it's incredible. It's to it's me, incredible. like to me, you don't even have to look any further. You're just like to win one of those is, is unbelievable. And to do it twice I, I just don't it, it, okay it would almost be like uh say you take a they, say you take a player that plays basketball and they become like the number one basketball player of all time and they have a hall of fame best basketball player to ever play great and then that player switches to baseball and becomes known as the best baseball player to ever play the game like so how, Jim Brown yeah well I, you know so it's like but if somebody Not were to Jim do Brown. that it would just be like impossible to do that. And you just got to just, and to me, like what Elbum did, like winning two majors is all like, it's, it's like that kind of category for me. So when, when filler did it, I thought the same thing about filler this year, Elbum did it. And he did it after being on the tour and being on the scene for a number of years after having won world championships before, you know, it's a second world championship. I just, I'll tell you, man. And what I love about watching Elbum play too, is that he doesn't, it's it's sneaky. It's like he doesn't just overpower the table like Filler and Shaw. He doesn't like outmove everybody like uh, like you know Dennis or something. He's just there's something about what he puts together physically, mentally, pattern striking. I don't know, man. I think he's as close to like a pool robot as I've ever seen. Him or Fedor? Yep. Uh, really quickly, Brad, before I let you in here, uh, yeah, thank you again sure. to Eves. Uh, this is the third time he's donated stars. This this stream eves you're the best thank you very much and then uh brandon scott as well thank you very much for sending the stars we appreciate it uh you guys let us know in the comments um okay so okay i was right on the jim brown he at least you know i think michael jordan and jim brown both uh spent a little bit time messing around uh i mean the fact that you can switch to do different sports and play them professionally even momentarily is incredibly impressive to me but um uh let it, everybody out there in the chat uh number five omar al shaheen four kelly fisher three dennis arcoyo two aloysius yap number one albin ocean for my top five players of the year tell me in the comments whether i'm right whether i'm wrong who else uh, deserves an honorable mention who doesn't deserve to be on the list let's hear your thoughts rob what do you think i'll be i'll be right back okay i'll go with uh you know you started from number five up and and yeah I'm, maybe i'll do that too although this is really tough except for the number one which is alvin uh that's I, I i can't disagree with that simply because of his first place 
finishes. Uh, but I, I view uh, competition in a little different way than first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, right on down the line. I, I view competition more as how many events have you competed in? In other words, you go to two a year and you win one, are you the best player in the world? Because it's the most prestigious tournament in the world. I don't look at it like that. I look at it, if you go to 10 events and you come in the top five and nine of them, you should be considered one of the best players in the world. And uh, it's not just the winner. And I say that because of the level of competition. It's so close. You got numbers 780 to 830. Come on. These are the best players ever. Not much is going to differentiate between what happens in a match. But because he has won three of these major championships, yes, he's number one. I'll put two, three, four, two, three, four, and five all kind of in the same category. And that is Shane, Dennis, Aloysius, Aloysius, or uh, yeah, and uh, Joshua. Whatever Filler. you want it to be. Yeah, Filler. I'll, I'll put so Filler, Okoyo, Yap, and uh, Van Boning in at two, three. Filler won a couple of Euro five. tours. What's that? I said Filler did win a couple of Euro tours. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They're 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 right there. So I can't really line them up. Uh, yeah, I also got to give I, a, probably an honorable mention to Francisco Sanchez Ruiz winning back to back Euro tours. That's I insane. Mean, you could put ten honorable mentions in this group if you wanted to. Uh, and because I'm from the USA, I want to throw Sky's name in this mix just because of all the ma singles. Sky, Sky, Sky barely played anything. He did, but he played, he played a, a lot, lot of gambling of matches. Gambling matches. A lot of them. He threw himself in the ring in the gambling matches and, and performed well in those. Uh, so I, I would throw him, if I was going to do an honorable mention group, then... Okay. Uh, he he would he would definitely be in there and and even though Johnny Moore just won one of these events here this NBA ten ball thing NBL I I'm I am just so impressed with any human being that can switch from right handed to left handed and then be as good as he is with the other hand as just well, a remarkable thing a remarkable achievement yeah. so I would definitely put him in a, like an honorable mention category. Uh, well, I think uh, let's move on to the next category because I think you could put him in that. You could theoretically put him in the next one. Uh, our most improved player of the year for me, it's Aloysius Yap. Uh, I mean, I so this, the the bold prediction I made this year was Oliver Solnaki is going to be a top five player in the world. I made the same exact prediction prediction about uh, Aloysius Yap two years ago, and I have podcasts to prove it. So. Uh, the fact that he jumps up then is, you know, a top three player in the world, at least according to rankings. And, you know, I, I would argue that he is a top three player, certainly, certainly top five right now in the world. Uh, I, for me, he's my, he's my most approved player of the year. Demetrius, do you have a different one or do you agree? Yeah, I would say it's a tie between all of the students that came and trained with me this year because they've all, uh, no. Okay. Stop it, you. Um, <laughs> see what I did there. Okay. So, you seriously, though, they're playing. There, there's, here's the thing, though. In, in, in all seriousness, it's actually really hard to get better when you're near the top. So, like, if you're if you're talking about the fastest movement over a certain Fargo, but, like, here's – so I'll hit you with a non-traditional one. 
there's a Dan Schneider that's plays from what country is that? There's a couple Dan Schneiders, but there's a Dan Schneider, Switzerland. Switzerland. I played him and he beat me at a turning stone, I guess two years ago because last year, anyway, maybe his year and a half. The point is, he is he deserves to be in the most improved too. That dude has had a monster year. So this okay when I played him, he beat me, but he was like he was shooting really straight and playing really hard, but. I mean, his Fargo rate was like, I don't know, 707. 730. Yeah, well, I'm talking at the time I played him, though, it was like a lot yeah. lower. And he was playing like, you know, but he he beat me and he just, it's on YouTube. You can watch him beat me. Uh, but he um, he was a good player that fought hard and he struck the balls and he came with a bunch of shots and he pocketed the balls well and he was able to put it together in the moment and then get it done. And so since then, I'm like, now I know who he is. So I've been kind of watching him out of the background, and I, you know, and I've been watching his performances. And he has, he's not a lead, he's not winning majors, but he is, he is, he is getting like he has improved substantially to where he went from being able to take sets off me to being able to take sets off top players to like being more and more like, yeah, yeah, he's, you know what I'm saying. I love that. I seriously, Demetrius, I don't, I never even thought about Dan Schneider to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, Dan, yes, it's that Dan Schneidel from San Antonio, Texas. Um, he, he got married to a woman there and he's living in the U S now. I think he's been living here for like three or four years, but I'm telling you like he, it was him. And, uh, when I said, uh, Oliver Zanaki and I were playing, uh, scotch doubles, we were playing scotch doubles against him and his brother. Mm. Uh, his little brother is, uh, Michael, uh, Michael Schneider. Uh, and he plays super strong. He's like a seven sixty seven seventy Fargo, something like that. Um, but like that's who we were playing scotch doubles against, and I'm telling you what, that was the first time I ever met Dan Schneider too, and that dude, I mean, he was one out of making the final 16 as like a 7:30 Fargo at the U.S. Open. I mean, that's how that's how good he is. He went, uh, and then he goes on and like makes a very deep run in the the U.S. or the the Texas Open. I think he had like fifth or something like that at the Texas Open. Made it yeah. made a deep run at the 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 Michigan uh, Predator stop. Like, I love that. I. Love that. I love yeah. that pick. Uh, yeah. Rob, do you, I, who do I you got, the most broke? I'm going to, I'm going to go with Omar Al Shaheen. I, I, Omar's a good one. Omar's you know, I, one. I just got to do that. Uh, I, I just, I, he was new to me on the scene watching him play and I was very impressed with his play. I, and his overall attitude toward the game was just very calm. He's from a very small country, correct? And, uh, the uh, he's from Kuwait, Middle East, somewhere. Yeah, Kuwait. Okay, Kuwait. Very, I mean, he's not from a great big pool playing country. I mean, this is uh, a, a country where this is known for their pool players, I don't think. And and holy cow, he comes on the scene, and and I think he just re really did a great job. Yap, also, like you, I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, an, another player I wasn't all that familiar with that watching his play, I was super impressed, but uh. The most improved, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give that to uh, Omar El Shaheen. And he did come to play. Like he played, uh, who did he play? He played Oscar in a, in a challenge match and, and came out on top of that, correct? Yeah, 198. Yep, that was a yeah, good one. Very close, though, yeah. All right, so uh, the next one, uh, the breakout player of the year. Uh, for my money, this is Oliver Solnaki. I didn't even know who he was at the beginning of the year, and then he beat Shane Van Boning in the World Nine Ball, and then he went on to have a you know a pretty a pretty good season. Uh, he made a couple deep runs in some Euro tours. Uh, he did well in a couple of events in the U.S. He made uh, I think the yeah he made the third fourth in the Michigan Open, and, and you know he had a couple of uh, other events that were pretty good. 
fourth, third, fourth in the the Whirlpool Championships. That's that's a great finish. I think for for my money, he was the breakout player of the year. Uh, although I could I could give that to Dan Schneider too for the same argument. Um, is there anybody else that you think deserves a mention for this, Demetrius? I like Oi. Yeah, you know that's a good call, Rob. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and no, I just there's another there's another player that I personally wasn't familiar with. I mean, the only time I started to follow pool was what four years ago, Nate, when we started the podcast. Uh, other than that, I didn't even read. I'd never even read a pool magazine. So, oh yeah, and Oliver Solnaki won the uh, the South Carolina event, uh, the Omega Billiards one. He never played on a bar table in his entire career ever. <laughs> He's hit like six balls on a bar table ever, and then goes and snaps off the diamond bar table event yeah. in South Carolina. Like that's just so <laughs> sick. It's so sick. <laughs> uh, so I I'll, I'll give my pick. I just wanted to mention to Dominic. Uh, he mentioned as a most improved player, uh, BJ. And I don't even know how to say his last name, Usri. Usri. I assume Usri. Okay. Anyway, I, it's funny. I, just so you know, Dominic, I was actually thinking about him. Uh, he was on my radar as having really made a move this year on the on the national scene. Anyway, in the U.S. So yeah, good call. But uh, my my favorite um, would I have to go with the app. Um, here's a guy I'd never heard of before, and all of a sudden, it was just the story of the U.S. Open. How. Nobody's ever heard of this guy, and he played like a machine through the entire U.S. Open and even through the first half of the finals. Um, and then what he did after that, yeah, uh, Nate Tam just said it. The, the dude had an incredible run. But I, I think it's, you know, the only thing I've ever seen that was like Yap, you know what that reminds me of is it was just like in 2017, Clenty Kachi had a breakout year where he did really well in some national tournaments, and then all of a sudden he went to the U.S. Open, and he played like, Clenty Kachi played like perfect pool, the entire U.S. Open all the way to the finals, and then Jason Shaw clipped them. Yap was no different. Yap basically played like robot perfect pool the entire U.S. Open, and then in the finals he played really, really well. And then and then Carlo came on and made a you know caught a Filipino gear, showed some heart, and Yap just didn't have the composure, the experience to really catch it back. Uh, but yeah, I'd have to go Yap for breakout of the year. Well, the only reason, so the breakout player of the year for me, my, my definition of this would have been the player that you've never heard of before. And then they just came onto the scene and like, well, I never heard of Yap. So for me, I'd never heard of him until the U S open. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that then. Um, All right. So let's move on to the most disappointing player of the year. And I I thought about not even doing this just because it kind of can be a little disrespectful, but I'm going to do it anyways. Uh, That to me was Chris Melling. Uh, Chris Melling was off to a pretty decent start to his season. Uh, he got uh, third place in the CLP. And then he missed that four ball against uh, Omar Al-Shaheen where he's super deep. I think he's in the quarterfinals of the the, the World Pool Championships. Uh, you know, he missed the ball, whatever. I mean, everybody misses balls. I'm not dogging on him for that. Uh, but then we didn't see him again for the rest of the year. Like, I, I didn't see his name once. Uh, from the GB9s, from the Euro Tours, from the U.S. Open, from the International Open. I mean, he used to be a staple name at every single one of these events. And I didn't see his name once the rest of the year. And at the Moscone Cup, I heard that he he's actually taken on a job now. He's like a, he's a truck driver, an over-the-road truck driver, I guess, in the U.K. Uh, and I don't know, maybe he's not playing because of his job. But I, I just it's for me, it's just very disappointing not to be able to see that guy play more. Um, especially after kind of the the way that he went out the last time I saw him, it was it's just a little disappointing to me. Um, Dominic Dunn, that's that's you. That's <laughs> that's, that's, that's all right. 
I can see it. I lose. <laughs> Dom wins. <laughs> um, I mean, is there any, is there anything else that stands out for you guys as far as like uh, players like that? Yeah, and I've got one. And just to be fair, this is kind of a mixed award because it sounds like a total diss. But when you really think about it, for somebody to really disappoint you, what that really means is what you expect from them and how high you rate yeah. them. You know what I mean? So you're actually paying them a compliment, which is, I think, so highly of it. Like, I didn't disappoint you this year because you just know that I'm dead money. But, like, you know, you, so you, it's it's kind of a compliment to, for somebody to have this award. So I, I have to give it to Shane. And here's where I'm at with Shane. From 2007 to about 2014, he was playing such a high level uh, emotionally, mentally, physically, before the break, after the break, he was playing so strong and he was so dominant and it was so awesome. And since then, of course, the competition's gotten better. Of course, he's not going to, even if you could take the 2012 Shane and put him in today, he's not going to win as many events. I get it. I get it. However, there's no question that that superhuman confidence and will to win that was peaking out is just not quite where it was. And so he can still practice and, you know, he's ice fishing and stuff and he can still practice and, 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 and hit a bunch of balls at a pool table and play physically extremely well. There's no question that at times we could watch matches of Shane's from earlier in this year where he could still play as well as anyone in the world for a set, but tournament match after tournament match, scrapping it out, digging deep, you know, whatever to see Shane, and, you know, not get there against Dennis multiple times in the gambling match to see Shane, you know, not really do anything. Like, he didn't really do anything this year in international competition that I can remember. And and so and then to see him play the first one of those uh, Predator events and then not or, or not play any of those. You know what I mean? Just to kind of see, uh, you know, Dominic says, well, Shane's at least active. That's fair. That's fair. But I mean, we're talking about active players, I think, is like what are, you know, of course. Well, my, yeah. my so anyway, for, for me, I was I think what I would say is this. I understand intellectually where Shane's at and why, but in terms of my grieving process for being able to watch Shane dominate pool, I've gotten through the denial. I've accepted, you know, like I understand it's not denial. I've gotten through my little bargaining. Like I get that it's not going to come back. Uh, I'm not angry, but I guess I'm not quite to it. I'm still a little depressed about it. I'm still just a little sad that we don't get to watch Shane, you know, kick some tail. I think uh, Dominic Dunn again puts uh Another great uh, disappointment out there, Justin Bergman, for not for not going to any events. Uh, I think he's, you know, for my money, I think he's the second best player in the country. Uh, or I would have said that a year ago, and now I don't think that. I think that Sky is, and I don't even look at uh, Justin as being a top five player anymore. I, I just, I mean, I'm sure he is, but I'm not going to give him credit if I never see him play. So, um, yeah. Well, I think our expectations, yeah. like you said, Demi, Play a, yeah. play a big role in yeah. how disappointed we're going to be in the way somebody plays. Uh, and, yeah, for me, too, it was Shane. Uh, and that was purely uh, – he did come in second uh, uh, to uh, – The Whirlpool Masters. Yeah, to Kazakas. That's right. That's right. You know, so he did he did do that and, and make a showing there. But what bothered me yeah, more the US Open. about my disappointment uh, – wasn't so much of the not winning factor. Uh, for me, the disappointment was in the attitude of, uh, especially in the team event in the Moscone Cup. I, I was very disappointed that e even though he made a few mistakes, and everybody's going to make a mistake here or there, it looked to me like he actually let those mistakes that he made 
affect his overall attitude and behavior. And that in turn affected the rest of the team. Uh, so I was disappointed in that. I, 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 I thought, okay, Shane, it's you, you're the man. Now you make a mistake. Hey, you get that, get rid of that chip off your shoulder and clap your hands and come on now, you know, pump the rest of the team up. Uh, I didn't see that. In fact, he was missing from some of that event toward the, what the last day, the end of the fourth day or the third day. I mean, he wasn't even, where'd he go? We didn't even know where he went. So that was more disappointing to me than his play or making a mistake here or there, you know? And, and, and of course we know his, his overall singles match uh, matches over the years of playing in there uh, hasn't been as good as everybody maybe expected it to be. So yeah, I was I, I was wasn't disappointed so much in his play, but more disappointed in his demeanor and attitude uh, uh, during the during the play. Well, and I just I don't want to walk back what I said, but like if Shane was watching this right now, I'll just say Shane, you know, like I I just want to reiterate, like I think he was I know he was one of the greatest of all time, and that he totally transformed pool and dominated pool and has done things on the table. And so I even think if you ask Shane right now. Um, how would he feel about the year he had? I think Shane would be a little disappointed with some of his performances too. So I'm if Shane, if you're listening, like it's again, it's only because it's only because we know what the Shane show looks like. And we just, we wanted to watch that movie one more time. So maybe 2022, we'd love to see it. Yeah. It's, it's more of a comparative emotional analysis than it is actual play of the game and, you know, pocketing of the balls or whatever, maneuvering around the table. Uh, that that part of the disappointment. Yep. All right, so let's move on to the top five industry leaders of the year. So these uh, industry leaders are people who, uh, you know, businesses in the industry that uh, are really pushing forward the sport and doing the most to uh, push it forward. Now, I'm struggling with this one. I came up with four that I think need to be on this list. And maybe we can all discuss it and find out. Or maybe somebody could suggest something in the, uh, in the comments. But to, for my money, I think that I see four people that are just doing head and shoulders more than anybody else in the industry right now. Eh, really three of them, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say four. Uh, and those are in order. Uh, number four, Fargo rate. Right? Uh, for, you know, I don't like the fact that we're, I don't like the application of how we're using Fargo, right? But we can't argue that the fact that they are basically revolutionizing the way that we can interact with each other on the tables. And basically, you know, you can go to Arizona and find a 670 that plays in your category and you can, you know, you can play with them and you can play some sets, you can play some just games, whatever you want. It, it is, it is, uh, it has made the entire world, the pool world smaller in a literal sense. You can condition. Um, you can put a condition on all your offers. Like I'll play anybody in the Midwest that's under, you know, five forty. You know, you could you could kind of put that. Yeah, yeah. Let's open the door for some great things. <laughs> well, it, it, it's it's a way of actually, you know, making real handicapping, right? It it, it is. Um, so I think that 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 doesn't go without being said. Uh, number three for my money is digital pool, and digital pool is like uh, it works behind the scenes so much, but like. Name, like they the things that they do they they've brought so these are the the big things that they've introduced to the game statistics in real time you can actually go in there and have you can you know all these gambling matches the the coolest thing about them was like looking at the stats and seeing all right Shane Van Boning has played 75 racks and he's broken ran 43 of them like you know how many misses he has 
how many unforced errors he's had, how many safety errors. There's so many stats that have been introduced. And that doesn't even go into like their 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 uh, their hosting for brackets or for events or you know they've done so much for pool in the last year uh, that I I just can't I can't leave them off the list. I mean I think that they are hugely impactful on bringing the pool world into the 21st century. Uh, number two on this list I have is Matchroom, uh, adding the CLP, um, announcing the UK Open coming up, and on top of that, you know just the things that they've done, continuing to grow the sport. Um, uh, well, uh, so Dominic Dunn, you guys are kind of describing influencers, and we're going to talk about that in a second. We're going to talk about uh, the influencers in just a second, but um, this is just for like the businesses. Um, Matchroom, of course. I mean, Matchroom just Matchroom is Matchroom. They're the only people that are doing what's happening. They're the only person driving the sport forward in the way that they are. And uh, I guess you, you can't have a list without them. So number one, the only reason I'm giving this to this company is because everything that they've done started this year. And my number one for the year for the industry leaders is Predator. They have started an entire professional tour that is mostly global. They've given away hundreds of thousands of dollars of added money. Um, they, they've created something. Now you can argue about the format all you want, but it doesn't change the fact that every single one of these events is minimum $25,000 added. And there are events around the country that, you know, top regional players can play in, top professionals can go to if they wanted to, uh, on top of that, you know, they do their, their normal business stuff. They've, they've released a table balls, um, you know, cloth, uh, chalk, you know, they, they basically have everything in place for a tour. Now it's not a big surprise that they came out with all those things because they want to, you know, they want to corner the market and they want to become the dominant leader, whatever. That's a business decision, but it doesn't change the fact that they are putting together a professional tour that has hundreds of thousands of dollars given away and added money and gives the players something that they're able to actually play in. So I think that they get the number one spot because they started this um, on, on top of all the things that they do anyways, like all the VG events they sponsored. I mean, they sent me thousands of dollars in equipment that I was able to raffle off as some of the great prizes people wondering mine. So um, on top of what they normally do for the industry, as far as sponsorships, they added all of this in. And I think it is a, I think it's a huge deal. So uh, that's my, that's my top four list. Uh, anybody out there that has anything else uh, that's uh, industry. So this would be like businesses. Let me know. Uh, I, I couldn't two. come up with a fifth. Sure. Go ahead. I have two. I have uh, predator yep. and matchroom. And I put them both up yep. there in the top of my list. Demetrius? That's, that's a national and international influencer. Yeah. The promoter of the game. Now, I'm going to add two more. I'm going to add Dean Raisler for the casino events in the state of Wisconsin and John Stitch for Minnesota and reaching out beyond those states also. These, these two gentlemen for the last 20 years have devoted their lives. It is their occupation. I understand that to the promotion of pool. And and for me, for me uh, they're every bit as important as Predator and Matro. They're just not on as the scale that they're on. So I have to throw their names in there. So I think I this is really... With, uh, oh, Ben Hunter, too. Salado, is, Salado would be a great number five on my list. Salado does a lot for pool. So go ahead, Demetrius. Yeah, I think it's interesting because uh, what I like about what you're saying, Rob, is that, you know, you're talking about where it hits home for you. And so right. at the local and regional level, you know, that's like what they do, what John Stitch, I know, in Minnesota does, is going to mean more for you than what Matchroom does. Right. I'm in a weird spot because I have my pick, which is not unique, by the way, it's already been mentioned, but my pick is about, it's a selfish point of view. See, Matchroom, what Matchroom does, 
it's great. I can play the U.S. Open, and that's fine. But, like, I'm not one of these guys that's going to be, like, making a living in the top. Like, Matchroom is really geared towards the top elite players. Those right. are the ones who benefit the most from Matchroom's events. Um, I don't. So it doesn't – it's it's awesome to watch, and it's awesome to see them do it. I'm glad they're doing it. But it just doesn't change. It doesn't move the needle for me. Same same thing with, like, uh, MPA and local pool heroes for John Stitch. Like, I don't really play handicap bar table pool. Uh, so then – I don't play those events, and so it just does nothing for me. Uh, so, But what does do something for me is Predator. And so when Predator came along and set up this, you know, two sets to four, you know, re- you know regional, like you've got international players and national level players and in the format to where I'm not completely dead and I've – both because the format allows me to sneak through some matches and also because not everybody I play is exactly an 820 Fargo. So for those reasons, that that, that event is actually that, – that tour actually changes my life in terms of giving me more opportunities to play uh, where it's challenging but not impossible. Right. Um, the other the uh, the other honorable mention, uh, I know it's – we talked about it offline, Nate. They've only done one event. It's, it's very, very early. But I'll put it this way: We won't nominate him for 2021. But I am looking forward to what the uh, the National Billiard League. What is it? The NBL? I can never remember it. NBL. National yeah. Billiards League. Yes. National we'll, Billiards we'll League. We have another I'm looking, category for that later on. Okay, there we go. Yep. Yep. But again, so, but again, uh, for the same reason, because that might actually make a difference for me. And I and yeah. I like bathroom, but I like stuff that's gonna. There's there's the pros up way up here, and then there's the amateurs down here, and I love the the stuff that starts to bridge the gap. Yep. All right, so my uh, my most improved industry leader of the year is far and away. It's not even close for me. Digital pool. I mean, I I didn't even heard. I've never even heard of them a year ago. I think they started this year, maybe maybe very early on last year. But um, I mean, they went from being just I, again they revolutionized the the technology that goes into pool. For my for my money, they are far and away number one. It's not even close. So huge shout out to Digital Pool. Uh, either of you guys have a strong opinion on that one? You said it. Okay. So then the breakout industry leader of the year is the NBL. And I, the reason I give them the breakout is because they started this year uh, $25,000 for a 16-person tournament. That's pretty strong. Uh, hoping that they're able to do a lot more in the future. But uh, with one event this year, I, I couldn't put them on the top five industry. They just haven't done enough for me to get onto that top five list. Uh, oh, Salado makes my number five spot too so slaughter number five fargo right number four digital pool number three matchroom number two predator number one so that's my top five industry leaders of the year uh so that's my but nbl gets my breakout of the year because they started this year and i think that they have the uh, again the ability to revolutionize the sport so uh either of you have an opinion there well i like that nbl uh all the way because of the chance for uh, some of the top amateurs to get involved in the game. And, you know, in your state, if you qualify, you there you go. Free trip. Let's go jump in with the pros, the top pros. I mean, I I would – in fact, the next one here in Wisconsin, I don't care how much of a non-chance I have, I'm going. <laughs> yeah, it's – yeah, it's coming Let up. me – I'm going to put the stick together and go. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the, the top five influencers of the year. So when Dominic Dunn was giving his opinions earlier, it was, uh, it was mo- most of the people he was naming were what I would consider influencers. And what I, what I, my definition of an influencer is somebody who 
Uh, their job is to promote the industry, not because you have a business to promote, but because you want to see the betterment of the sport itself. Now, you can make money off of doing that, but you're not really selling a product. You're not selling a pool cue or a jump cue or a break cue or a set of balls. You are selling your promotion of the game. Hmm. Um, so <clears throat> number five for that for me. Uh, I have his little Chris and I might be a little bit biased here, but I work with him very closely on a lot of things. Um, I think he's amazing. The stuff that he does with his YouTube videos, he has great, uh, how to's, uh, information tips, blah, blah, blah. He's got a lot on his channel. Uh, YouTube. I think he's, I, I think he's just great with the stuff that he does. Uh, number four, uh, this is a little bit, maybe a controversial one, but I have Niels fine down as number four. And that's because the videos that he makes on YouTube, you get it. I mean, he has, he's just such a genius person outside of being a pool player. And he's just so, she's just so good at conveying very, very complex ideas uh, into very digestible bits of information. Um, and I think that uh, Demetrius, you're also very good at this, but uh, I, I just think that the stuff that he creates on YouTube is just amazingly good then i think it i think it deserves a number four spot number three for me is molina mike uh i mean the guy like if i need to know what's happening on the industry the first page that i go to is his um i mean he has the insights on everything that's happening he's got updates on it as it's going on uh basically i mean his uh, i mean for somebody who covers the industry for a living i go to his page for a lot of my information so how can i not have him as a top five person on here uh number two I have his down is Sharavari. Uh, again, uh, he's kind of like where, where Niels Fine is like uh, the type of person who works with, you know, the, the very good players who want, um, you know, little tips and trades. Sharavari is like the type of person who literally works with everybody. I mean, he, I mean, he, he's able to make pool very simple for people to understand. His videos are very well edited and created. I just think that he's, He's, uh, he's got like 275,000 subscribers on YouTube. He's a huge influencer. Uh, I think he deserves a number two spot. And number one, for my money, uh, and it's not close. I mean, this this person is like so far separated themselves from the rest of the world, uh, literally and metaphorically, is myself. No, I'm just kidding. Florian Kohler uh, is number one on my list. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, he's got like a million point three subscribers on YouTube. His TikTok is huge. His Instagram is huge. His Facebook is huge. He has got like, uh, he's got to reach way further than anybody else in the entire pool world. Maybe times 50. The things that he does, it's uh, the people that he reaches. I mean, he, he has the ability. He's the, him and Jeanette Lee are the only people for my money that have the ability to reach outside of the industry and get people in, interested on what is actually happening on here. And it's because his stuff is just so entertaining. Like he's got a beautiful woman laying down on a table. And the next time he's, he's jumping pool cues off of his back deck into a floaty on his pool. And then next time he's like uh, jumping over four pool tables, jumping up in the air and landing on six balls that all go into unique pockets. You know, he's, he's worked with some of the biggest people in the, in the world. Like uh, what was it? Um, Dude. Yeah. Or whatever the, whatever the heck that company, they got like, hundreds of millions of subscribers on youtube he did you know special shows with them he the guy's just he's been, he's larger than life when it comes to pool and uh let, and, let uh, me add in, something in, in the world of influencers about sure. florian uh there's a little city over here in wisconsin called osseo it's on i-94 
between Twin Cities and Madison. It's population, you know, what, five grand or something like that. Florian Kohler came to Osseo for two days and put on an exhibition in Osseo, Wisconsin. I mean, no, this is a place where nobody's even heard live here in, in a local bar there. And uh, who does that? I mean, so I got to agree with you, Nate. I mean, this is a Florian is, yeah, Florian is the best. trick shot artist all the way around. And, and, he, and he does things like that. He'll go to places in the country that are just like way out of the way and, and put on little exhibitions and things. And I don't know too many people that do that kind of thing. Dominic and why Mac isn't number one. I'm protesting this episode. I want to recount. That's funny. <laughs> um, Demetrius, what, uh, anything? I think there's a big difference between what appeals to the most people right. and what's, you know, like there's, it's almost like quality versus quantity. So if you want to look at who's going to appeal to the largest group of people, like guys like uh, Venom and guys like, um, you know, the, the people that appeal to the masses, like these are people that don't even play pool can be entertained by watching Venom. Right. And so therefore he's going to have the biggest following. He's going to have the biggest. Right. So to me, I, I, I don't vote that way. If I, so if I vote for popularity, I'd go for Venom. But if I vote for like quality, like what, and so then, and uh, what, what means the most to me, what do I want? It's like, if you guys want to know what's on my YouTube feed, uh, I'll tell you this. I think that uh, honorable mentions, little Chris, Dr. Dave, uh, little Chris, I mean, I've just been honored to be part of his life and share what he does and watch what he does. Phenomenal, phenomenal content creator that helps pool players of all levels. Uh, I say the same for Dr. Dave. I got to work with Dave a couple weeks ago. Uh, if you haven't seen those videos, go to Dr. Dave on YouTube. Uh, you might you might actually uh, learn a couple things uh, with a couple of videos we just made. It has to do with like scatter, different ways of measuring positional tools. Anyway, pretty fun. But my personal favorite um, is uh, right now is Neil Stan. So like when I, if you want to know what I watch, I watch all of his videos. I have, uh, I've watched, I've learned some things watching him practice about how to practice. I've made some changes to my practice regimen. I've learned some things about how he approaches the mental game that I've taken what I do and kind of made some fine tunes and implemented some new things. Uh, I've done some, I've watched, uh, I've watched the way he just did a video about how to adjust the new tables. Uh, so for me, when I went out to the predator event, very, very, very slick conditions. Of course, I've played on them before, but watching how Neil talks about his decision-making process on different equipment, uh, like to me, I've learned more watching Neil's channel this year. And of course, that's that's because I'm in a different spot. But I'm just telling you guys, if you want to know what's on my YouTube feed, uh, I, I think he's exceptional. Yeah, I've seen some of his too. Yeah, I'm personally, I, I I'll give a shout out in this regard to. All those guys out there in this country who have their phones hooked up at local tournaments and local events streaming the games. There's thousands of them doing this now, and they're not getting paid for this. Nobody's sending them money to do this. They're just they're setting their cameras up. They're setting all the equipment they purchased themselves just so other pool players can watch events well, that they want to. And, and you know what? Thing. The other thing I got to say, and it's it's like, if this almost goes without being said, because, you know, you don't want to like, but I just, even if it's me representing, cue it up, like I got to, Nate, I got to give it up, man. I mean, it's it sounds silly for me to plug you while I'm on this thing, but with, yeah. but you know what I mean? But it's like anybody that talk, I mean, not only for, for anybody to not talk about you as a, as a, 
pivotable. Uh, pivot, if you're talking about influencers and in pool and you don't include uh, what you're doing here, uh, that would be insanity. Ryan. And I know based Joey on, Ryan. based on, Mike Malina. Based on a totally objective survey, I bet you that everybody in our chat agrees that they enjoy our content. <laughs> maybe. Well, yeah, maybe. I, yeah, we also had, we had a lot of, uh, the one thing I miss is uh, the VG events. I thought those were a lot of fun. Yeah. I thought those were a lot of fun as far as, um, oh, thanks, Demetrius. My heart. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, That's right. So, so I guess not even yeah, getting uh, red. He can't get red because he has no blood in his system. His face just yeah, there remains is. white, even when he's embarrassed. Um, I, I, so I, I agree with your Dr. Dave, but I, I couldn't put him on my list because I, I reached out to him and asked uh, him to do an interview with me at one point in time, and he said no. So uh, I, I can't put him on my list. I'm, I'm just so, I'm just so bitter. So you burned his house down? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't know who you were, Nate. He's got to know now. Well, I, I don't even. I don't even know who I am. Um, You're Alicia's oh, husband. Cool. That's got to stand Ruben, for something, right? Ruben Chia. Yep, enjoying your content all the way from Singapore. That's pretty cool. We got Singapore. We got Singapore. There was uh, somebody last episode that said they were watching from uh, Saudi Arabia. Oh my goodness! Pretty cool. Let's uh, let's actually hear if you're if you're if you're watching in here. Where are you from? I want to I want to see where all the listeners are from. Well, and I have a I have a question too. I had a few comments talking about how much water I'm drinking. Is that <laughs> something I should be self conscious about? Is this something that like is that a thing? Like I'm also breathing a lot of air. Is that something I should be embarrassed about? <laughs> if I I don't know. I thought okay, we'll talk offline. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so hey, I guess, uh, Kentucky, Oklahoma, come on, keep them coming. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, Wyoming, Canada, not bad. All right. So that's, uh, the most improved influencer of the year for me. Uh, even though he's number one, I still have Florian Kohler just because he's like, he's done yeah, so Canada, much, uh, number one pool playing you know, country in the world. You know, Florian Kohler is constantly adding new, uh, content and new platforms. I mean, he's, he started a new TikTok and that immediately blew up. I mean, the guy's just for, he's constantly, constantly innovating and doing crazy things, uh, as far as just pushing the industry forward with people that aren't avid pool players. So I think that's pretty cool. All right. Well, we got a lot, we got a lot more. Now let's take a look at some of these. All right. We have, I got to scroll down all the way to the bottom. Oh yeah. The Netherlands, Serbia. We have. Iowa, Canada, Iowa. Wyoming, Wisconsin, Idaho, Fremont, California, Iowa, the Netherlands, Serbia, California. Do you know Minnesota. Ryan Harmson? Uh, uh, you know what? I uh, I've cr I know the name, and I've probably I Ryan. I'm sorry, man. We've probably played like ten times. I just I don't I don't know that I could pick him out of a police lineup, but I'm sure that if we got to talking, I'm sure we've probably talked. And uh, Ryan, I you're, I appreciate your support. So look me up Ryan next time you see me. But Ryan it'll probably your, um, Emmy, I got a question Ryan, for you too. Ryan won your virtual uh virtual lesson when we did the VG event. Oh yeah, okay. That's then then I know who Ryan is. I'm sorry, I didn't remember that. Okay. Yep. He he Ryan mentioned the Seco Verani tournament. And I know you you at the beginning of the podcast mentioned you're going to Turning Stone uh yeah. versus that tournament. And he asked me if if I would go and watch it and stuff. And I have played it, you know, years ago I played in it when it first started. Uh, four or five years in a row I played in it back in the day. Uh, you weren't playing pool then yet, I don't believe, at that point. Uh, but my question to you is, 
what is the main reason why I know one seven foot tables and one nine foot tables? Okay, that's a difference. But why is the main reason you're going to go to turning stone, turning stone versus the Seacoverani tournament, which is a, large, a big tournament right in your own state? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get this answer as short as I can because okay. it's complex. So I'll try to keep it highlighted. I don't play for the money. I, if I played for money, then I would be playing Seacos instead of Turning Stone. It's more profitable. Okay. So for me, uh, what happened with local pool is that it, in Minnesota, it all went to seven foot and then it all went handicapped to where the number of non-handicapped, non-Fargo cap tournaments I can play are just a couple per year. And then it ends up being the same five or six guys fighting again and again uh, for tiny prize pools and everybody else skips those events. Right. Uh, so then then what happens is because I can only play in a couple of those events a year, I hardly play on bar tables ever. And then if I do go play on a bar table, it you know by the time I play bar table eight ball, it might take me a day or two to kind of start reading the racks, right? And so right. based... It, the bottom line is if they had an open bar table tour where I could win, you know, five events a year and make some money playing, uh, then I would play more of these events. As it is, it's to the point where I feel like they've kind of stated that they don't want me in these fields so much. And then if I can only play like one or two a year, I'm on a stroke on those tables. I I feel like I'm going to go where I'm challenged. I'm going to go where I'm wanted. Uh, it's a better fit for me. It's a better fit for everybody else for me to stay out of Minnesota and just play, you know, these other events. Sure. And you like nine foot tables, period. Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay, so uh, okay. let's move on to the last, uh, the breakout influencers of the year I have is We Are Pool Players. Uh, I think that their podcast is really good. They don't do it as much as they did, but the, uh, but they still had a lot of episodes. Um, and their Facebook page is really good. They have a lot of like really interesting uh, questions where they have, you know, they'll post stuff like, uh, you know, how would you play this pattern? Who would win in this matchup? I think it's the stuff that they do is really, uh, it's really engaging and it's really good. And then I'll give a, an honorable mention there to Gloria Jean also for a, a lot of the uh, the virtual events that she did. She also did some fireside chats where she tried to do some podcasts. I think that she stopped doing those for the most part. Um, but she also, you know, uh, brought some players on and allowed you to play virtual matchups against Kelly Fisher. Uh, I think that's pretty interesting. They, they, they just did a lot to keep pool going during the quarantine shutdown. So I think it deserves an honorable mention. Yes. Uh, and... Yep. And then let's move on to what are we looking forward to in 2022? So uh, the top five things I'm looking forward to in 2022. Uh, number five is the Cue It Up Network, because we have some things coming out that we're going to try to do uh, that are going to be new and keeping things engaging and uh, always working on trying to advance the game and help out everybody with what they're trying to do. Uh, number two or sorry, number four for me is uh, the NBL with their two events. So they're going to actually do two national events, hopefully with uh, 128 players. And I just think it's, you know, if, if they could start up another event that goes along with the Predator Tour, I think that the U.S. could really have some awesome opportunities to do some amazing things. Number three is the um, just the Matchroom series in general. I mean, Matchroom continuing to chug a, you know, push forward and trying to grow the game. Um, I think that kind of goes without saying number, uh, number two is the, the UK open more specifically because, uh, it's a new event being released by Matchroom, and it's basically going to be a 256 open tournament, just like the, uh, the U S open. And if we can get basically a UK open, which is, you know, kind of just going to be a clone of uh, the U S open. So kind of two, uh, two U S opens a year. I think that's amazing. I think it's really, really cool. 
And then number one is the Predator series for me. Uh, I think the Predator series uh, with what they're doing, they're they're. I think they announced uh, like four or five more events worldwide, and they're adding all. They're adding. They went from twenty five thousand dollars minimum added to every single event to now it's uh, thirty thousand dollars added minimum per event. And I think that uh, you know you're you're giving like Dimitri said, you're giving a lot of middle to you know middle tier players all the way up to top players a real opportunity to make a lot of money, and I think it's needed. And we'll give an honorable mention to uh, Dunn and Cleary. I think that's pretty cool. So that's my list for the things I'm looking forward to most in 2020. What What do you feel like, uh, Demetrius, about the the you know the tiebreaker uh, thing with that uh, with that event? You know, I'm fine with it. I mean, but here's the thing. I might, like, I don't blame people like Shane or Corey for having strong opinions. There's a massive difference because I'm not trying to make a living at this game performing. And so for me, um, it's not like, oh, it gives me a better chance. It's not even about that. It's more about, like, I I don't really care what the format is as much as long as it's, like, fair. You know, I don't, you know, as long as it's fair for everybody and we can get in a fight and there's still a lot of gameplay. Uh, it, it, I thought it was a very interesting format. We've talked about it before. It's it's a very, very, uh, very spectacular. It's just like playing racist to five, same kind of thing. Um, so I'm totally fine with the shootout. I think it made great entertainment and it was very challenging and it was still decided by skill and clutch shooting. And that's all I care about. Um, as far as what, like, what I'm looking forward to, again, it's hard for me not to be selfish. I'm just, I'm looking forward to the events I get to play. So I am going to Derby. Jim Monday just mentioned Derby is one I'm really looking forward to playing here. Um, really looking forward to uh, Turning Stone here in a week. And then, uh, you know, the Mashroom Series, I you know, it's fun to be a part of a couple of those big events I get to play. Um, and then I look, I love, I love what I do too. I love that I'm not a full-time player. I love that I get to train pool. Uh, every time I get an email from somebody where they start telling me, how you know how they got in the game and what they're trying to do with their game and how they're trying to get better. It just gives me chills that there's oh. people that passionate about the game and everything. I just that's what I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to the next person that sends me an email where I'm like, all right, another another real pool player out there making a move. So <laughs> those are the things that excite me. Sure, sure. And 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 you take a, a 13, 14 year old kid and five years from now they're a champion. And you well, I'll tell you. I'll it. tell you what. Yeah. Look, maybe I maybe I mentioned this. There was a 13 year old that was 12 when I started training with him last summer. Yeah. Last time we played, we played four races to five, and he split sets with me, and he split games with me. He beat that, me. That's what you said. He, yeah. He. It was. Un, uh, did I already tell you that? That was unbelievable. Yeah, no, man. that was a great story. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's what you're looking for from a pr uh, instructor perspective there. So I'm looking forward to some of these kids doing good too. I'm looking forward to the next junior uh, wave out of the U.S. Have we you have ever some had really, a, really talented have, young kids. Have you ever had a 70 year old come to you and say, you know, hey, I'll spend a day with you? Yes. <laughs> yes. You have. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah. I had, okay. I mean, I, look, I, I, I've already played. I, I, I had a gentleman here uh, from Vancouver about three weeks ago that already plays like 700 level. And he was basically convinced that his best days were behind him. Yeah. And I could, you know, he's written up some testimony. I can show you. He was amazed that he could, like, he doesn't feel that way anymore. He's very confident that he, he can play his best pool over the next couple of years. So, wow. Yeah. That's tremendous. Yep. Uh, okay. Let's get back on topic, I guess. Um, what do you guys think of my list? Is there anything else that you'd like to add to it? Nope. I, 100, I agree with all. Okay. Did you put your uh, stuff on that list? I put the queue it up network on there, yeah. 
Okay. I, I put us as number five. I think it's, I think, uh, yeah, I think that uh, we're going to do some cool things in 2022. Um, I do want to give a shout out quick to uh, Seth White. Thank you very much for the stars. That was really nice of you. Thank you. Um, and I guess uh, let's move on to our second to last thing. Who is your breakout player of 2022? Meaning who do you think is poised to take the next step and join the top tier of players? Or at least, you know, kind of make a big splash. My number, uh, my player is Sanjin Pelovanovic. Uh, I think he's been knocking on the door for a couple of years. And we all saw the miss he had against Joshua Filler to get himself into the finals of a Euro Tour. Um, but I think that he's right there. I think his game is really coming along. And I think that he has the potential to be one of the top players coming up in 2022. So, Demetrius? I'll go. I'll, I'll throw two out there. Uh, there's the... Um... Tyler Steyer, you know, I'm still, I haven't given up to Tyler. Like I've still seen him continue to, I think his 2021 was better than, you know, I think he's gotten better and better over the last few years. So I'm still, I'm still hoping, you know, it used to be a couple of years ago. I felt like he played good and then he broke great. And then he was able to outrun the best of it. Sometimes I feel like with, with more and more Moscone cups and more and more pro tournaments, he's still practicing and getting better. I still think that he is our country's best chance from this generation of getting to the elite level. Uh, and then I also think that uh, Elijah, the wonder boy from the Philippines, you know him better than I do. He played in your events, didn't he? Uh, that's or, a good one. Yeah. That's yeah. A good I one. think that he's, he was 16. Is he, what, what, is he 17 now? All I know is, is that I don't know if he can get, like you were saying earlier, I don't know if he can get to the U S and play, but I just expect that over the next two or three years, it might not be 2022, but I got to tell you, it, he's, He's probably the next breakthrough player for me. Yeah, for a young, for a, just a young player. Yes, absolutely. But yeah, and Tyler's been around now for a few years, so it's not like he's just breaking into the system here. But in a way, that makes it more impressive because it's it really, really, really hard. It's really, really hard to work your way up systematically through the ranks in full. It's really, really hard. There's so many places where it's easy to just. Yeah, it's. Yeah, he's yeah. going to be my pick for the breakout player of the year. I, I think things are going to come together for Tyler this year. Uh, a lot of things in his life and his pool career. And he is, he is going to be the, uh, he's going to break it out this year and, and, and be a star superstar. I hope so. I'm a little prejudiced. <laughs> Just a little. Let's see, let's, let's hear everybody's thoughts in the comments. Uh, who do you think is going to have a huge 2022 year? And then we can close it out with the last thing that we want to talk about is who are you looking to see match up in 2022? What are you most looking forward to as far as a matchup? Uh, I, I mean, mine's been the same for two, three years, something like that. Uh, and we'll never get to see it, but I do, you know, it's my fantasy. I can, I can live it however I want. I still want to see Joshua filler play Shane Ben boning. Uh, and I want it to be sometimes like, I don't want it to be like a Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather, where we don't get to see it when Manny Pacquiao is truly in his prime. We end up getting some, you know, older over the hill version of Manny Pacquiao. And if filler and Shane play, I wanted to see it in both of their primes, you know, and of course we can't get 2012 Shane Ben Boning, but we can get the best version that we have, which is this version. And, you know, a lot of people have been arguing that he's still, at the top of his game. So um, I would like to see it if possible. I think that'd be awesome. Uh, Filler and Dennis, 
that's a, that, that's a good option. That stole my answer. That was I was going to say if you'd asked me two years ago, I would have said Shane and Filler. But after after this, I feel like Dennis has got the title. He's playing the best pool of his life. He's showing. So it, it's a, such an interesting matchup because you've got like the best gambler of the world against the best nine ball player of the world, and then. What's going to happen? It's like the it's like the ultimate, right? How do you not get excited about finding out? Like It's like the ultimate hustler yeah. versus tournament player. Not to say that Dennis isn't a tournament player and that just filler can't play for money. But you know what I mean? It's like the old school season moving guy that still <laughs> plays at the best in the world. And then and then filler, who's just like lightning in a bottle. Throw them together. I vote the pool table explodes. I don't know. Yeah. This, I vote the pool table explodes. This is, is going to blow your minds. But when you I can't take it. <laughs> I, I, got, I got I got one for you for sure. I want to see Efren Reyes and Earl Strickland head to head, rate <laughs> to a hundred. That's what mind. I want to see. <laughs> Man, Matchroom does it. Well, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, knew I mean, it's, it, listen, they, they played the color of money. It's on YouTube, man. You can. It's still on YouTube. You can go back. <laughs> But my second pick would be uh, Shane and Carlo would be my second pick, Ooh, a, a, official a pick, Beato and uh, Bad Bowling. I, I just uh, – they haven't played yet head-to-head, and I, I'd like to see that. I'd watch that. Over. My second pick, I guess, would be Filler and Fedor. I think that would be a good one, too. That, that is too. Good. Yeah. You know, there's something about the Russian and German players that I, I that there is a thread running through them, and and it, it's a, a focal thread. And uh, the way that they play the game is, to me, it's pretty impressive. Uh, pretty serious and pretty impressive. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, I guess that uh, that was a super long episode, but uh, it was wrapping up the entire year. So. Oh, my God. It seems like 10 minutes. Yeah. it's. Uh, we Let's go back and talk about year. what are our top five favorite memories from this podcast we just did? No, okay. So. Um, <laughs> Number five was gotta, when that's going to take um, a while. This is like a fractal, man. We could just keep this thing going. <laughs> no, 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 oh, no. Yeah. We used to do that. We're done. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Now let's get Demetrius's coach's corner. Go ahead. Yeah. No, later. we're we're good. We're good. He's just teasing, guys. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm spent. I got, I'm thirsty, man. I got to go. I I ran out of water. So yeah. I'm breathing. I need right. a drink. All right. Let's let's close this out. Jim's All right. Rant. <laughs> thank you everybody uh thank you for the stars today there was a lot of stars that came in we really appreciate that and um yeah i guess uh thank you everybody for watching thank you guys for joining us it's uh, felt like an old school podcast like a, a year and a half ago just us three huh you know I, yeah something now that people can be thinking about and even the the folks listening out there and stuff uh it's better be goddamn fast well there this is going to be quick there's there's some things that happen in pool games okay we all know this some weird things that happen. And it, it's like maybe an opponent does something and you think maybe what did he do there? What was that? What happened there? Say anything. Or you do say something and it's wrong or they react crazy. That kind of stuff in a pool match, I'd like to have a segment on the show about that. And the correct way to deal with things like that when mm. they do happen. Sounds good. Yeah. I'd just like to hear your guys' input on that, and same with like when a guy's breaking out of the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just all kinds of different things, right. like falls that aren't falls, or purpose that aren't purposely done, or just accidents, or mistakes that you know it's not cheating, but 
Some people may call it cheating or, you know what I mean? That kind of thing about the play that that's a big discussion. That'll take up the whole two hours. Very good. All right. Well, we're not, we're not doing it. All right. Let's, uh, oh, we're let's not doing this yeah, I just want to say happy new year, everybody. Thanks for sharing it. Thanks for tuning yeah. in and wish you guys all the best for the new year. Yeah. You all too, right, Demi. Care, everyone. Happy right, new bye. year to you.